in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Yes, honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT, a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards and he cheated. Liar! Witch. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. But after what you just said, I'm not even sure I want to be dead anymore. You never had it so good. True love, he said true love, Max. Don't say My another God. word, Valerie. He's afraid. Ever since Prince Humperdinck fired him, his confidence is shattered. Why'd you say that name? You promised me that you would never say that name. What, Humperdinck? Ah! Humperdinck! 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 I'm Humperdinck! I'm not listening. Humperdinck! Love lies expiring, and you don't have the decency to say why you won't help. Nobody's hearing nothing. Humperdinck, Humperdinck. This is Buttercup's true love. If you heal him, he will stop Humperdinck's wedding. Shut up. Wait, wait. I make him better, Humperdinck suffers? Humiliations galore. Ha, ha, ha. I did a lick all day, That is a noble cause. Give me the 65. I'm on the job. That's a miracle pill. The chocolate coating makes it go down easier, but you have to wait 15 minutes for full potency. And you shouldn't go in swimming after for at least one. An, an hour. Yeah, an a hour. good hour. Yeah. Thank you for everything. OK. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. So do you want to feel old? Um, Billy Crystal, who played the grizzled old man Miracle Max in that scene. Well, Billy Crystal was, he was only in his 30s when this movie came out. Wait for it. He is now 50 years older than the age he was portraying in this film. So he is 50 years older than uh, Miracle Max IRL. That makes Billy Crystal 111 years old. Wow. Somehow, Carol Kane, who played Valerie in the scene, she's still 40-something. And that's her miracle. Greetings, lookers! Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me at Red Hen Media One. Just look for that red hen icon on most social media. Uh, let's see. It's Series 8. Welcome. Welcome to Series 8. This series theme is adventure films, and there will be five shows, including one audience choice. Uh, but more on that later in our Roll the Dice segment. Feel free to fast forward to that if you want to know. Uh, today, we'll be discussing The Princess Bride 1987, which is a fantasy comedy feature film currently streaming on Disney Plus and Hulu. And welcome to this very special episode. Uh, this time I really mean it, because over our extended series break, we have been working hard 
adding some new games and some new surprises to the show. I'm just working on some formatting there. Okay, so take this with a grain of salt. But for today, and I've predicted this before and have been painfully wrong every time, but I think that we have a contender for the first 4.0 grade on the show. I know what you're thinking. It'll take a miracle. Well, I say nay. For behold, I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who hold the key to a perfect score in their wheelbarrow. Ooh, Barrow King. That is a quality barrow. So we'd better join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Hey. 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 <laughs> With us we're today, back. we're back. With us today, the provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Coming to you from the ultra high def void, and the game is on. Yeah, the void's looking good. That's looking like some good void there. Good job on that. And my good friend, Voidless, the incendiary, James Pepe. How do you explain yourself, sir, being so voidless? Um, I, uh, geez, Ben, you really sprung that one on me. Man, <laughs> yeah. this is gotcha chosen. <laughs> Look at you in reality and everything. Like a jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How could you, sir? Well, no, I mean, I, I learned my lesson from reading Nietzsche. So you can't. You can't stare into that shit or it'll stare back into you, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to avoid <laughs> eye contact with Devin's area of the screen right now um, yeah. because I don't need the void staring back at me. It already does that enough when I'm trying to fall asleep at night. Okay, <laughs> a little too much information there. So we're going to cut over to the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, and greetings, general listeners and friends. Okay, so before we dive into the movie, Let's start off by checking today's headlines. Extra, 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 read all about it. All right, let's start with the voidful. Devin, <laughs> what did you find today in the news? Yeah, yeah, I pulled one out. There was uh, quite, a, quite a bit of hubbub about this, this, uh, the events that have taken place here. But what I found was that Florin PD demands local ruin designers stop installing gymnastics equipment, citing it as the cause of over 70 in injuries a year. Local fencing community strongly opposed. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you can really see some of those mats when they're doing those jumps and stuff. Be careful, those guys uh, get into the whole revenge game. So, like the people yeah, that yeah, are after you for that, um, the, uh, oh, what is it called? Venom. The Venom yeah, Guild. Oh man. Add the add that to your growing me. list of enemies. That's why I found myself here in the void. I'm on the run. This That's is the only right. place I'm safe. It's a safe place only, to be. The only place the, the, the long arm of Venom can't reach. That's yeah. right. That's right. Exactly. Okay, Pepe. What did you find while, while uh, perusing the headlines? Yeah, so I found uh, this was a line from a... a um, article I was reading about this movie, it said, Carrie always is credited with 106 films, but really he was only in like three, right? <laughs> the only three I know. <laughs> yeah. One of, one of which is escaping my... One of, uh, which, one of which we watched for this episode. That's right. That's <laughs> one of the two, three. Which is Men in Tights, which is just that's like right. this, this movie, but Mel Brooks instead of uh, Rob Reiner. This movie got him that movie. Yeah, and then Saw, which is there you go. Know, the, Saw. the exactly. next logical yeah. movie to do after a movie like this. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I would have expected <laughs> him to be in more big things over the years. Those were the only three. Because you know his name, you know friends. his face. He's been in some classic stuff, you know. But um, yeah, where was his uh, like Oscar bait movie that none of us have seen? It's probably out there. None of us just have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim, what did you find in the headlines today? Yeah, so this time I kind of slummed it and I pulled up a clickbaity article you know, sure. from a, a disreputable news source. One of those news sources you look on like Verify Me to see how much misinformation they give. Right, right. But, uh, but this headline reads, Cliffs of Insanity, Fire Swamp, Thieves Forest, are these places A in the real world? B in your D D session last week, or C places in the movie Princess Bride? Take our quiz to find out the answer and see what our your answers say about you. Wow, I'm very curious. Wow, man. Hmm. man. You Man's know what? Articles always have such short headlines to fit on your phone. You know, that's, that's most <laughs> remarkable. I know. That's right. I know. I know that it can't be B because <laughs> no D and D session goes to more than like one place per session. So. <laughs> go to three one whole, room. <laughs> go to three whole different places that have their own names is not a thing that happens. <laughs> not unless you've been playing for like a decade. <laughs> uh, well. Even then, not unless you're like, I teleport <laughs> Even there, then. And then I teleport <laughs> there, and That's then right. I teleport back. Or a dream sequence. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. It's a dream sequence night. Okay. Um, good. Thanks for those headlines. Uh, always nice to see what's in the news. Uh, okay, so next up, we got to do a little something I like to call the rundown. Hey, Jim, can I get a... Um... <laughs> Hi. Hi. You need a rundown of the clients. Can you get that to me? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown. And... Looks like Jim from the office just handed the dossier to Devin. So let's <laughs> see what Devin has for us on The Princess Bride. Take it away, Devin. Well, I think my, uh, my friendly grandpa described it best. It's got fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Uh, but The Princess Bride is a, as alluded to before, 1987 adventure film about a home, uh, a boy who's homesick in bed being told a story by his father. That's the whole plot. The whole thing is just it's the guy reading the story. That's, that's all that happens. It's, uh, it's one of those like art films, you know, it's just like a guy's a man, like an old man in a room alone or with his son just just reading. Uh, but no, in the story itself, we get a long uh, sort of Odyssey-esque uh, sequence of a man who, <clears throat> a farm boy who falls in love with the woman he serves and then is uh, taken, kidnapped by a pirate, becomes that pirate himself, and then they're uh, sort of reun reuniting and him rescuing her from an evil prince. Classic, classic fantasy stuff. Uh the stars of the film, there's quite a few. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty stacked cast. You have, obviously, Carrie Ellis as Wesley, Mandy Patinkin as Inigo Montoya, Robin Wright as the Princess Bride, not uh, Buttercup, also known as. I don't know why that's her official title. It's just the Princess Bride, um, which also doesn't make sense, right? She's, a prin she's the Prince's Bride, right? I don't know. I, I guess it's not possessive. It's a weird title. 
It is weird. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chris Sarandon as Prince Humperdinck, uh, Wallace Shawn as Vizzini, Andre the Giant as Fezzik, Fred Savage as the grandson, um, Billy Crystal, obviously, as Miracle Max, all kinds of people. Uh, Carrie was you probably recognize, we've, we've already mentioned his three big films, Mandy Patinkin, also known for uh, Homeland. He has a long-running role in Homeland, not in a ton of other stuff. Again, kind of a, like you would expect to see him more often. Uh, he was also in Dick Tracy and Alien Nation, which I have not he was heard in of. A, but, he mm. was in a show I watched on Showtime called Dead Like Me, where the this girl dies from a, a space station crashes on her in New York, and she dies, and she becomes a Reaper. Did, you, did any of you guys ever see that one? Sounds mm. familiar. He plays like the head no. Reaper. He was really great in it. Uh, it was a good little show. Ran for a couple of seasons. But yeah, he's one of those guys that crops up and sometimes you don't even know it's him because he does a lot of character yeah. acting. A lot of a lot of character actors in this. A lot of comedic actors. Uh, Robin Wright, who's probably best known as Jen A. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. Wallace Shawn, who does mostly voice work. He, his other big film he's known for, live action, I would say, is probably uh, My Dinner with Andre. Yes. But he's also Rex in Toy Story, uh, Gilbert in The Incredibles. He pops up his voice a lot. He's got that you know, classic voice. Uh, apparently, he has a long-running role on Young Sheldon, if you are a fan of that show. I, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the misfortune of knowing that show. Oh, uh, go ahead, Pepe. That was it. I just wanted to get my jab in at Young Sheldon. Oh, yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, no, we need to make room for that. Um, I've never actually watched an episode, but I was like, why are they doing the show? But apparently, it's popular. I don't I don't get it. Um, okay, so Wallace Shawn, yeah, he was in this kind of sequel to my dinner with Andre called Vanya on 42nd street. Has anyone seen that one? No, it's about the no. Russian play uncle Vanya. And, um, it's really good. If you, if you liked my dinner with Andre, check out Vanya on 42nd street. Um, but anyway, I was involved with a, a production that kind of fell apart, but we were going to do a, a musical adaptation of Vanya. That's a, a new adaptation written by someone who's very good. I still have the tape. Um, but for whatever reason, it just didn't get off the ground, but we were going to invite Wallace Shawn to participate since he was on Vanya and 42nd street. We thought he might get a kick out of that, but, uh, haven't pursued it as yet. Yeah. I saw that one open. I check in with a guy every so often. Yeah. Wallace Shawn, he's great. Uh, and then finally, of course, Fred Savage, who you would know as the mole from, uh, Austin Powers gold member, mm. Obviously, his from. most famous role. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> we put him on the map. Exactly. Hmm. Um, and, uh, before we get into, well, let me do awards real quick. Wasn't uh, a winner of anything major, but was nominated for best music, original song for storybook love at the Oscars. Um, I would imagine is probably the main theme of Wesley and Buttercup. Okay. I'll give Oscar. you a, I'll ring it up for that. It also won the award of, uh, winning my heart. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll add that in there too. Um, did uh did anyone has anyone seen brain donors the the comedy brain donors it's slapstick no. uh the albino was a a guy from brain donors if anyone's seen that in the audience rocco melonchek and then did you mention carol kane i didn't I there's, so there's so many people in this yeah, i know i problem. know i didn't I'll, even throw in a couple so quick ones carol kane yeah, yeah yeah carol kane who i mentioned in the intro joke uh you, if you've seen the movie License to Drive, you might recognize her as the mom, the pregnant mom yeah. from License to Drive. Um, she, you might recognize her as the ghost of Christmas Present from Scrooged, where she beats the hell out of Bill Murray. Christmas classic. She hits him with a toaster. 
The B word hit me with a toaster is the line from that movie. Um, director Rob Reiner. Uh, he's also, he's known for the TV's All in Your Family. Uh, you also may remember him recently playing as an actor, Leo DiCaprio's dad, Max Belfort, in The Wolf of Wall Street. Hmm. And Chris Anderson, Jack Skellington, The Nightmare Before Christmas. There's just so many. I could keep going. Christopher Guest, Waiting yeah. for Guffman, Pepe's favorite film. <laughs> Canon, locked yeah. in. Um, yeah, okay, that's right. it. I'll shut up now. <laughs> that's all good. So this is a two-hander, this, this rundown. Uh, this movie has just, it's has just so a much lot in- of actors. Yeah, I kept looking yeah. like, damn, is there really all those actors in this? Uh, before we get into the trivia proper, I want to hit you guys with a little rundown recreation. Oh, here we go. Okay. Wow. Uh-oh. It, it begins. New game. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. New game. Who dis? So do you want to explain uh, how the point system works? You probably understand it best. Evan. Yeah. So we're going to start throwing these little games. Uh, they'll be different each week, I imagine. But uh, we throw in little games into the rundown to keep things spicy. And uh, we'll be recording points for the, the, the people here. And at the end of the season... Uh, series if we have a tie or some kind of uh, uh, disagreement in the final scoring for the series we will use these points as a a little tiebreaker and for this first week we have two truths and a lie injury edition Uh, for those of you who (laughs) don't know and and can't use simple logic two truths and a lie is a game where you hear three facts one is uh, a fabrication from my from my imagination <clears throat> and uh, the the people here and those of you at home can play along. We'll guess which of these three facts is not that at all. Okay. Two truths and a lie. You guys uh, ready? Right, my co-host? Yeah. All right. Um, so how we'll do it as the host is Devin will present the, the two truths and a lie. We will write down which one we think is the lie on our uh, little Jeopardy style card and we'll reveal it one at a time um I, exactly i will ready. number them for ease so you can yep. just and say Devin which number run you the think show. is the lie perfect okay. all right yeah some, uh, pepe's right to take off the lower the other lower third i'll do that mm-hmm. so i'm ready then don't reveal your answer until called okay mm-hmm. here we go All right, fact number one. When Count Rugen hits Wesley over the head, Carrie Elwes told Christopher Guest to go ahead and hit him for real. Guest hit him hard enough to shut down production for a day while Elwes went to the hospital. Fact number two. In the fight between Fezzik and Wesley, despite the boulders being artificial and padded, stuntman Bob Anderson suffered a concussion in one take and spent a day in the hospital as a result. And fact number three. Mandy Patinkin claims that the only injury he sustained during the entire filming of this movie was a bruised rib due to stifling his laughter in his scenes with Billy Crystal. (laughs) That's awesome. I hope that's true. Okay, uh, let's write down our answers and um, go ahead and ding in when you've locked in your answer. How about that? Got one. Okay. Our contestants are locked in. All right. Let's uh, reveal our answers. Ben, you go first. Okay. Um, I, while I hope this was the truth and I hope I'm wrong here, I also think it's the lie. 
So I'm coming in there with number three that Mandy Patinkin laughed himself into stitches. All right. And just to prevent anyone from rapidly changing their answer, I will reveal who's correct at the end. Pepe, what is your mm-hmm. answer? I picked number two. Lucky number two, which was the bolder one. The bolder yeah. one, yeah. the fight between Fezzik and Wesley. Yeah. All right. And Jim, what is your answer? Wow, that's really interesting because I picked number one. Ooh, nice. I love this. All right. Uh, uh, I wish I had a drum roll. I wish we had a drum roll. Sound Only effect, one will survive. We'll, we'll, I'll add something <laughs> to post. <laughs> <laughs> the lie was that in the fight between Fezzik and Wesley, despite the boulders being artificial and padded, Stumman Bob managed to suffer a concussion and one take and spent a day in the hospital. Pepe, you are correct. Yay. Good job, Pepe. Well done, Good Pepe. Job. You get the point. It. All right. Winner. Ben, I, I, I want to know, did I get you with the Bob Anderson drop? Because I know he's like a famous stuntman. I don't know if you know. Um, you, you know famous stuntman more that, than anyone else I've known. <laughs> that actually, I was my second guess was that one wasn't true. But it just, you know what it was, was kind of the cadence that they both, like that seems that kind of like weird rhythm seems to repeat movies. Another day was lost. You know, that just yeah, rang yeah. is something. But I, I if I was going to choose another one, one of those two is going to be that one because padded rocks. I mean, that they can't hurt you. <laughs> I mean, now that I'm kind of in, in retrospect, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right, cool. Good. Well done. All right. So, um, yeah. let's continue on with our rundown. <laughs> yeah. Some other fun facts. Uh, according to author William Goldman, when he was first trying to get the movie made in the 1970s, a then unknown Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to play Fezzik. Uh, he was strongly being considered because Goldman could never uh, get his first choice under the giant to read for the role. But then years later, when they were actually making the movie, 12 years later, they got Andre the Giant and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was such a big star that he was too expensive for them anyway. So they never could have gotten them. Mm. Huh. Uh, on the on the set, Andre the Giant employed a tactic where he called everyone boss to uh, sort of offset that he was so massive and you know keep himself from scaring anyone. Uh, he would just call everybody boss uh, on the entire I don't want to like digress into an Andre the Giant thing, but he's such a fascinating person. Can you imagine yeah. having to live a life in that giant frame? I mean, anyway, fascinating yeah. stuff. I'm not surprised that that was one of his social tactics. That's a good good little fact. Neat stuff. Yeah, it'd be great to see a like a biopic of him, but no one could play him. <laughs> they couldn't do it. Um. There really was a Dread Pirate Roberts, Bartholomew Roberts, also known as Black Bart, who operated in the Caribbean in the early 18th century. He is reckoned, uh, reckoned by many to have been the most successful pirate of all time. Legend mm. has it there's still a Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> Just keep mm-hmm. passing it down. I think he works at uh, uh, Long John Silver's now, though, as a master. <laughs> <laughs> there I go. I saved is- it. And Mandy mm-hmm. Patinkin trained for months with Peter Diamond and, yes, Bob Anderson, who I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, between them had been in the Olympics, worked on Bond, Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, as well as the Star Wars films. So the sword fighting in this film is, uh, you know, very similar to the lightsaber fights in, in a way, as they mm. share a connection. Um, so, yeah, if you were, if you were doing so sword good. fights in it's the such 80s, such a good fight, right? This guy. Yeah. Even if you it's don't like good. the movie and you're not, and you'd be a jerk and not give it an A. Um, <laughs> you got to say that, that 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 fight scene was a good part of the movie. We can all agree on that. Very I'm sure. Good. All right. 
Yes. Uh, and that's it for the rundown. Yeah, good rundown. That was fun, and I like doing the game. Um, Pepe's got the point, so we're going to be chasing him. Oh, yeah, Pepe, change your score. You got oh, one point. Shit. Oh, no, that's not how that... that that's for your... Uh, oh. Uh, that's for your uh, whodunit score, their overall score. Whodunit score, score oh, not yeah. Not the tiebreaker score. Um, but you, we should put our <laughs> put that score on the other one. So. <laughs> we don't have to oh, see right. it. <laughs> I don't want to be intimidated by your score. By my massive score. Yeah. We could put both on there. We'll work it out. Maybe we'll have it. We should have it on one. So let's we'll we'll split it between the two of them. Just to make it extra confusing for viewers that are watching. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll figure it out. We're working out the uh, the bumps of the upgrades here. Okay. Uh so we have to figure out who done it. Actually, who done it? That's right. It's time for Who Done It, the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of this series will win a Who Dundee Award. And that's what the score that you're seeing on our screen is for. So we don't have to see Pepe's points. Okay. So let's find <laughs> out let's find out who did this thing. Um I am going to guess Jim because it's the right era that Jim likes to submit from. And he likes fantasy movies. I mean, that's that should be enough. That should be enough. I don't want to drag it out. I think it's Jim based on that. Um, so Devin, what do you think? Who done it? You know, I also thought it was Jim at first because he submitted Willow, which has a lot in common with this movie. Yeah, good point. Um, and so that was really tipping me towards him. But now I think this is a classic, a classic blunder, perhaps. But Ben, you seem to know a lot about this movie. and You seem really excited about it in this uh, early part of the show. So I think I'm going to shift my guests and I'm going to go with you, Ben. Okay. Pepe, it wasn't me. Who done it? <laughs> It wasn't me. <laughs> Man, this one's so hard. Um, it could have been any of you three guys. Um, I have to eliminate Devin first because this did come out before he was born. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I almost did a spit take for reals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is Jim, but it could be Ben. Um, I'm going to guess Jim. Jim. Yeah, it was Jim. Okay, two votes for Jim. Um, and Jim, we know it's not you because you are now the official red herring of the murder plot. So who done it? Yeah, and we're in a case of clue. So uh, That's there's right. going to be That's a couple right. of red herrings down the road. Um, <clears throat> I think Willow was a better movie. So, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is a phenomenal movie, but you, you, you guys are, are, are right. I love everything fantastical. Um, I'm going to guess you, Ben, um, besides the fact that there's the who's who of actors and actresses that play in this movie, the movie itself had witty dialogue, um, interesting story. It was a fairy tale, um, but the tropes that it used, um, it really accentuated like the art of storytelling 
in the video, uh, excuse me, visual medium. And I, so I think that is you, Ben, through and through, and just the fact that you, um, just in this short intro that we've been able to, you, you know, talk about the movie, you seem like, like, like if I was reading the date book in the Chronicle, you'd be the guy leaping up over the sofa, <laughs> right? The highest rating possible. Um, so yeah, I think it's you, Ben. Okay, so that if I have this right, that means it's two votes for me and two votes for Jim. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, since I'm the host, I'll go first. Um, are we locked in? Okay, we're locked so. in. Nobody change. Okay. So, if someone was to go to YouTube.com/slash RedHenMedia and check out my videos, one of my videos with the most views is Peter Falk in The Princess Bride. Um, and it's kind of a tribute to the movie in the video, um, which makes it really strange that, uh, it wasn't me No, <laughs> oh, shit. because I love this movie. I was overjoyed when it was this movie being if chosen. This is, if this is fucking Devin, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's find this out. Jim, almost 20 years old. You? No, it was not me. No. Oh, oh, from no. the void. No, was yes, it, was it was the void you? indeed. Oh it my was god. Me. That is Yay. correct. Oh, you got Jeez. us. We're all dead. Oh my god. So what don't you yeah. get a point now? I do know how that works. Good. All right, so, throw yeah. it up on the board. Yeah. Good job, Devin. Devin's off to a, a boom rocketing start here. Wow, That's well right. done. Well done. All right. I thought at least one of you would suspect me. Um I always yeah, suspect so, you, Devin. <laughs> that's the problem yeah uh, maybe it's the red shirt it was, too it was just a such a today. it was just such a gym type of movie i just couldn't lay off yeah. couldn't lay off the the gym type of movie uh so well um, done uh so yeah yeah, yeah. Go, go, ahead. go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say <laughs> i i'm i'm extra curious how you came up with this movie now but go ahead and say what you're gonna do yeah i was just gonna mention that this is the second set of two series that i have been the first one picked it seems like i've i've been picked first far more often than anyone else it's very strange yeah that is I, weird uh, i tend to go I last picked, a lot uh, i got picked first for the first two seasons yeah and then three and four were both me first and then now seven and eight are both me it's, it's mm. odd. uh it keeps occurring but uh, so yeah that's a hint for the future first series always me so just guess me by default um that shouldn't throw anybody <laughs> off <laughs> uh, but as to why uh i mean this is just like one of the classic films of all time in my opinion like this is to me uh like the quintessential adventure film i had a lot of other ideas kind of banging around my head when we first announced this series but then like kind of when i settled on this movie i was like yeah like it's a no-brainer like this this has to be it um and yeah there's something just like very comfortable about it despite it being you know sort of campy and and the comedy is very like you know, right there in your, you know, it's not, not a very subtle film, but I don't know. Something about it is just so pleasant to watch. It's the kind of thing that if it's on, you know, on cable or something, you're just going to stop and watch the whole thing. Cause it's like, it's short, it's sweet. It doesn't overstay its welcome. And, uh, it's just fun, <laughs> it's a fun watch. Yeah. Know. You know, while I was watching, I was like, this movie's short and that should have tipped me off. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh, it walks this line thing. though with yeah. the comedy in the movie where it also plays as a uh, straight drama sometimes like the emotions hit you know mm -hmm. those notes 
So it, yeah. it kind of like walks that fence line in a, in a really beautiful way. And it's just like cleverly set up what with the Fred Savage and uh, hello, Lieutenant Columbo himself, Peter Falk, his grandpa. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite actors. Uh, and that's the clip I have up on, on YouTube um, of him. And so it's just clever. And okay. So who, who's seen it? First of all, really quick, really quick. Have we all seen this? Okay. Mm -hmm. So who, um, what I really want to ask is this, who got to in high school, read the book and then watch the movie in class and like English class. Any, any, mm -hmm. anyone get to do that one? Mm hmm. No. Did you guys get you didn't you ever have to have to like read a book and then watch the film adaptation in in, in yes. class? Okay, yes. just not on Quite this one. Okay. This right. is one of the ones that that we did that with. So um that was that was fun and I would of course seen it already like several times so it was just like a nice break. But the, who's read the book? Has anyone read the book? I've done. It's mm -hmm. definitely worth reading guys. It's super clever. Um yeah, I I don't know how much I should talk about it, but it's it's not entirely different from the film. It's beautifully you it's a good way to see how a clever adaptation can occur from the, the source. And does the, does the book have the framing device? Sort of. He frames it in the book as when he was a kid, his grandpa read him this story. And then when he grew okay. up and his son was sick, he found a copy of this old book somehow like a first edition and gave it to his kid and she tried to read it and she put it down. She's all this one, this, this is terrible. And he picked it up and, and figured out why, because his grandpa had read him the good parts version. I'm doing scare quotes where he cut out all this terrible mm -hmm. writing and just told the bones of the good story. Um, and so, and then it would cut back and forth between how he's adapting this into the good parts version to tribute his grandpa and, I think it's all BS, but it was just a really clever way to frame it. And so rather than like spend too much time, I think with that device, they adapted it to the bare bones basics, which worked really beautifully with Peter Falk and Fred Savage. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's such a funny story because um, when my sister turned like 13 or 14 or something, I gave her this movie for her birthday or for Christmas or something. And she'd never heard of this movie, right? <clears throat> and I gave it to her and she just like turned her nose up at it because she thought it was just going to be like something that was like super girly love story. And she like wasn't into that, you know, and um, just never watched it. Um, uh, and then I guess like a year or a little while later, she was telling some of her friends, like, yeah, my brother gave me this stupid, like, romance movie for my birthday. I don't know what he was thinking. And they were like, oh, what movie is it? She's like, that's like The Princess Bride or something. And her friends were just like, you need to fucking watch that movie right now. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> we're watching it right now. Tear oh, yeah, the plastic yeah. casing off. And then, so then she finally... She, I think, Delaminate. I think I think at first she thought her friends were like putting her on and That's then so she cute. finally watched it and she was just like, this is the best thing. So great. It's such a like yeah. Gen X like flag of a movie, you know, for those yeah. of us who are a little bit older and like it came out in what? 87, I think is what, what, what it said. Yeah. 87. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Just 
one of those, I think it's probably Rob Reiner's best film, maybe. I don't know. Did, I don't know a ton about Rob Reiner's films. What else has he done? Did he do uh, Parenthood or was that somebody? Uh, it was no, that that's a Zemeckis. good one. Oh, no. See, he did Spinal Tap. Oh, okay. Isn't that the one that you like, Pepe? Isn't that Wait, the only one of those it, movies that you did like? He, did he direct it or was he just in it? I think he. I think it was. Just I think he, oh, really? I thought he directed it. Okay. Yeah. He he maybe he was just in it. Maybe he's just uh, in it. When, See, that's the weird thing with actor directors. You're like, which one did he do here? Yeah. Also directed Stand by Me when Harry met oh, Sally. Crap. Oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He did. He did direct. Oh, he did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't know though. Out of those, even though you're saying them, they're all huge. What was the first one again? Uh, Stand by Me. That's pretty big. Stand by me. I have to say, yeah. for that me though, great. this movie is bigger for me personally. But probably you could make an argument that Stand by Me is that's a it's pretty pretty big movie, right? He also, like classic he also did, big. He also did Misery and a few good. Men. Oh man, he's all Misery. over the place. Misery, wow. Misery is a good one too. One Misery. of the good early adaptations of Stephen King, outside of uh, Kubrick. Yeah, well, Stand By Me was an oh, that's right. adaptation yeah. as well. Oh my God, yeah, you're the body, right. It was... Um, Stephen King tricks seasons. me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You never see the non-horror uh, coming. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, speaking to what you just said, Ben, I think that also this movie kind of transcends time because like, obviously I've you know seen it and love it. And I think it that... Does. I mean, I don't know a lot of Gen Xers or Gen Zers, but I bet if you asked a lot of them or I know... They probably have seen this. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people have probably yeah. seen this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I think a lot of young people have still also seen this just because it's one of those timeless movies that like, obviously their parents love it and their parents, mm -hmm. parents loved it. And so everyone's just going to show it to their kids. And for me, I uh, love seeing the video baseball game that I actually used to own and play. I am, I think I'm about <laughs> Fred Savage's age. I'm right in there somewhere uh, to age myself, which I don't give a shit at this point, but um, <laughs> I'm old and cranky. <laughs> yeah uh yeah so i was i was yeah i was right in there um i i was um nine i think when this movie came out so it would have been about right when he filmed it so um yeah so that was like my room except not in chicago you know it was it's nice. kind of neat um right. yeah and so yeah it was it was it for me when this came out and i did see it uh i don't remember the first time i watched it uh exactly but you know that that was like a tailor made thing for me to um take it into that world you know and um although i was a big reader i would always ask people but i remember back then you know i i was one of those kids that actually went to the library and checked out a ton of books and read them and i i, I assume a lot of you guys were like that back when libraries were a thing were you, were you guys library yeah. goers back when oh, that was a thing in, in oh, high yeah. school my like high school library i basically spent every day there that i was in the area every hour there that i was in class that's yeah that's true i did i was one of those guys too yeah i would frequent the library yep yeah so uh but uh yeah that fred savage um that was that also made that show he was in uh really uh hit home for me because as i was watching that show he's like the exact same age as me so i watched the whole thing uh, the Wonder Years, which they the have Wonder a new adaptation yeah. out. They're they're bringing all those shows back. Quantum Leap's coming back out. That's my other big video on my on redhenmedia.com. Hmm. The Quantum Leap intro. Uh, everyone on everyone in the comments section is going bananas over that. Hopefully they don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> You've done us wrong before. And uh, Ghana, I mean, I, <laughs> I know, I know. 
mean, look what they did to Cowboy Bebop. Look, what, did you see what they massacred in the Cowboy Bebop? My boy. My boy. On the day of my daughter's wedding. Right? <laughs> poor, poor Corleone. <laughs> They're messing up his shows left and right. Um, yeah, yeah, Devin, you had yeah. something to say. Yeah, I was gonna say the, the other thing I just love about this movie is the, like it's incredibly quotable. Like both the, the so jokes quotable. are like the joke lines are great, but then also like the serious lines are great. Like obviously you you know my name is Nico Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die is like maybe one of the most famous lines mm-hmm. of like film history. Like everyone knows that line. I bet and, uh, probably hundreds of people alive today that have that tattooed on their bodies. Just, yeah, you know, because yeah. there's seven billion people on the planet. There's got to be like a hundred or two people that, that have done that. Yeah, it's very quotable uh, line. One of my it was personal favorites. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, this is less of a quote, I guess, and more of a moment. But when he says uh, rodents of unusual size, I don't believe they exist, and then gets attacked by one immediately after. Like that's that's that great. very good, perfect. Uh, there's a shortage of perfect breasts in this world. It would be a pity to damage yours. Like absolutely <laughs> great line. Yep. Yeah, I wanted to say at the beginning of the show, I was one of the jokes I, I thought about telling. I'll just say it now. Like, I am definitely like going to disappoint you as to not having all the clips that you want because there's just too many of them. Yeah. yeah. Because we don't have an hour and 38 minutes. I can't just play the whole movie. Yeah, the entire movie's quotable. What do you want? What, what am I going to do? It made it a little yeah. hard to pick and choose. So hopefully I, I did it right. Let me Let me jump into one. Um, this is, I, I, I'm a big fan of the wheel, as you could probably tell with my jokes, the wheelbarrow thing just always, always struck me as funny. So I'll play that. Who are you? Are we enemies? Why am I on this wall? Where's Buttercup? Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Buttercup is Mary Humperdinck in a little less than half an hour. So all we have to do is get in, break up the wedding, steal the princess, make our escape after I kill Count Rogan. It doesn't need much time for dilly dallying. You just wiggle your <laughs> finger. That's wonderful. I've always been a quick eater. What are our liabilities? There is but one work in Castlegate. And it is guarded by 60 men. And our assets? Your brains. Fez's strength. My steel. That's it? Impossible. If I had a month to plan, maybe I could come up with something for this. You just shook your head. That doesn't make you happy? My brains, his steel, and your strength against 60 men, and you think a little head jiggle is supposed to make me happy? Hmm? I mean, if we only had a wheelbarrow, that would be something. Where do we put the wheelbarrow of the albino head? Over the albino, I think. Why didn't you list that among our assets in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> Always list the barrow. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. Okay. Um, um, but they, it was hard to grab, but uh, that had to get in there because uh, I wanted to make a wheelbarrow joke. So <laughs> I think I'm something to reference. Who is... Apparently, I forgot to put my phone on silent. Sorry if you hear that. Oh, God. Don't, they know, sure don't they know we're live? No. <laughs> who, who cares so much about me at 8.15 p.m.? Stop oh, caring. Stupid like your wife or kid. Yeah. What's on fire? <laughs> Come on, I'm recording. The flames are like licking up behind me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but speaking of on fire, um, let's cut into this. Uh, even, okay, so my brother makes this joke uh, every time we're at a wedding. 
Uh, and then it also features Andre the Giant as Dread Pirate Roberts. I'll just jump into this. But every wedding we go to, my older brother Adam will, will do this impression. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. That's your crown, man. That's your crown. Stand your ground! I'm the Twin Pirate Roberts. There will be no survivor. No? Not yet. My men are here. I'm here. But soon you will not be here. No! Light him. The Twin Pirate Roberts. Thanks, no survivors! All you worst nightmares are about to come true! Then love, true love, will follow you forever! The Twain Pirate <laughs> Robert is here for you! Contrast is funny. Yeah, so, uh, so here's the here's the thing. My brother, who does that, is actually officiating my little sister's wedding this spring. So my bet is that he, as the actual <laughs> officiant of her wedding, and she has no idea, I'm betting, and I'll follow up and let you know that he will do that impression, and it will fall oh, yeah. completely flat. <laughs> That's my bet. <laughs> um, so we'll see. But yeah, the Andre the Giant, awesome in that scene, um, terrifying. And then uh, the contrast of cutting back to the comedy, it's uh, chef's kiss. It's good stuff. And there's something very charming about the like mannequin that they have dressed up in that cloak. It's like so obvious when they light it on fire that it's oh, yeah. like, just a wooden, it, like they don't even try to hide the fact that it's just a mannequin. No, no, they didn't have CG. See, they'd probably, how would they do that today? They'd probably just uh, do it all in CG maybe, or they would do a practical mannequin with CG face or something. Yeah, probably. And and probably light a real person on fire because it's easy to do that now safely. Yeah, I think they could. <laughs> they, I think some of the scenes they did show a burn, which is what they call that. Mm -hmm. um, which if you do a burn, I back when I was paying attention, I think you have to pay the stuntman a, a, a thousand bucks for one burn. For, so there's very all these rules about it. And then if you have to do another take, that's just, you're just doubled your because it's so obviously it's very dangerous. Um, man, yeah. that would be, I, I just, uh, I, the heat would just be terrible. You'd still well, I've feel heard, it. Well, I've heard Stumman say actually that the, the gel that they put on you that counteracts mm -hmm. the heat yeah. actually is so cold and like makes you so cold that you mm -hmm. want to be lit on fire. Like when you're sitting there waiting for the scene to begin, you're like freezing. You're like shivering because it's so oh, cold. That's interesting. And that you actually are like waiting for the fire to get lit so you can warm up a little bit. Huh. How about wow. that? Weird. Yeah. Such a weird job being a stuntman <laughs> exists. Yeah, um, they don't get enough credit either. I think, but everyone, I think everyone agrees with that. Um, they'll get their due. I think Hollywood's starting to listen. Um, but yeah, I think they had like a, a couple of shots of that, and then a couple of shots where the, maybe the up shots where they just, yeah, they kind of tried to keep him in shadow a little bit, right, to hide it. But yeah, yeah. clearly a a giant. Uh, 
what what do they call it effigy almost or something mm-hmm. that they were burning <laughs> I, think the, I think the funny part about that scene is that like i have to imagine that like we need a joke for this scene and then they were just like well what if the priest just talked funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe like, uh <laughs> I that priest that's it I mean, they they love that joke because they also do the same thing with the uh, albino in the dungeon, and he's like, uh, "You're gonna yeah. wish you'd never been, <clears throat> you're gonna wish you'd never been born." He's actually, yeah, he, they got a lot of good com- comedic actors. Yeah, that was the guy from Brain Donors. If you like slapstick comedy, um, Brain Donors is an old, not that well known movie that's kind of worth a watch. If you like, it's really like they were trying to kind of resurrect the like Three Stooges type of thing. Uh, and the other actors, can you look up brain? I'm looking up the princess bride, Devin, can you look up brain donors and tell me who the three primaries are? Because there's more, the, the, the main one, the guy is still a very famous character actor. He's really good, but I wanted to check uh, out who the priest was. John Turturro. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. John Turturro. John Turturro. Yeah. Yes. And then Bob mm, Nelson and role. Mel Smith for the other two. Yeah. Bob and Nelson Mel doesn't even have a photo on IMDb, so he's probably not, not nobody. Yeah, he's very funny in the movie, but I don't think he was in much else. Maybe he was a... They struck me as maybe like writers who wanted to do a movie. But it's very silly and dumb, and I watched it when I was about eight and laughed, and so I knew him from that, too. Um, the, the, the He's not called a priest. called the... Oh, impressive clergyman. Yeah, Peter Cook. I'm just curious if he's done much else. Let me see. It's loading. Um, Mr. Peter Cook is known for... Mm, Supergirl. He was Nigel in Supergirl, the movie. So yeah, not much else, but man, he'll forever be remembered as the clergyman from that film. I mean, I know my brother will remember him. It's like his favorite joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely let you guys know how that plays out. That'll be funny. Um, here's something that I always thought was, well, you know what? Let's, let's cut to uh, the, the one that's probably tattooed on people. Kill my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Diego Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Diego Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Stop saying that. Promise me that. All that I have and more. Please offer me everything I ask for. Anything you want. I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Yes. What can I say? What a payoff, right? Beautiful, yeah. It's such a oh, good scene, great. and and also really beautifully, I think, homaged in uh, Game of Thrones with the the Viper in the Mountain, where uh, um, in the show uh, Oberyn Mart- Martell fights 
Sander Clegane. I think it's Sander. I can't I get him mixed up. Uh, but Gregor. Gregor, Gregor. It's Gregor. Gregor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he he keeps repeating, you raped her, you murdered her, you killed her children over and over. Mm-hmm. Very similar characters. I have to imagine George R. R. Martin was referencing Princess Bride with that, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Because um, I think at that point, that book would have come out after this movie, or maybe it's based on it's a reference to the book of Princess Bride. I don't know. But the, it just seems so similar that they're both like Spanish themed characters and they mm-hmm. both repeat this line as they fight their adversary and it seems seems too coincidental to be a yeah i'm with you on that i'd be surprised if it wasn't to be yeah. honest because it's just uh, a, it's one of those things that's just woven into the fabric of our society you know which these pop culture references like that are becoming less and less um of a thing really as we move forward because yeah. people are watching different things and we're not all in the same thing except for marvel movies apparently marvel marvel um <laughs> yeah so, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's a lesser thing, but uh, we still got the Princess Bride. Hold true to that, Gen X. Whatever. Um, That's the I real slogan the, of Gen X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that that fight scene is overshadowed still by the, the first major fencing scene, which I, has like like all the best moments of the movie here in that one fight scene. And it's early personally. on. I love it. Yeah. This movie yeah, starts delivering so the goods right away. Yeah, and there's like the the way they like respect each other and like wait, you know, like wait to start the battle and both start with their left hand and like I don't know, it's just such a great, it's such a good in battle a, scene. Yeah, in a similar way to like th- what we left off with in series seven with the Shawshank Redemption, it's one of those movies where you can come in at almost any point and watch the like three, two to three minute short part and get something really great out of it, you know, and that's always a sign of a good filmmaker. They yeah. give it to you in 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 these small chunks of awesome short films that connect, you know. And each one, like each each one of those three, is so good that it's like each one is iconic. Each fight, I didn't have to miss. I believe you, you know. That's that's another iconic one. And he's a wrestler, yeah. a, maybe the most famous wrestler of all time. Um and. So they got a wrestling scene out of him, which was fun. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Wallace Shawn scene. Never go up Absolutely. against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like peak Wallace Shawn. It's the most Wallace Shawn that Wallace Shawn has ever been. <laughs> Wallace Shawn. Oh, let me say this. Wallace Shawn was turned up to an 11. Uh, uh? <laughs> you're, you're Same director. <laughs> yeah. So great. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, kicking myself for not getting those scenes but what are you gonna do you can't get everything yeah, um yeah. yeah i almost want to keep going but if we're gonna blow through all these if i keep keep it up um i mean it's this is one of those movies that's just so good it's like it's hard to talk about because it's like yeah it's fucking princess bride you've seen it we've seen it you love it we love it yeah what is there to say about it it's so good yeah let's just celebrate no here's here's something to think about um this is this is the to the pain segment, okay? Um, this stuck with me, to, uh, but I'll ask you guys if it, if it stuck with you in any any sense of the word. But I but you you really put yourself in in that in in the mind of the person who's been cut up like that and how horrifying that actually would be to have that happen to you. Um, but I'll let uh, Carol Hughes spell it out in his big bluff. To the pain. I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. I'll explain. 
And I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. That may be the first time in my life a man has dared insult me. It won't be the last. To the pain means the first thing you lose will be your feet below the ankles. Then your hands at the wrists. Next, your nose. And then my tongue, I suppose. I killed you too quickly the last time. A mistake I don't mean to duplicate tonight. I wasn't finished. The next thing you lose will be your left eye, followed by your right. And then my ears, I understand. Let's get on with it. Wrong! Your ears you keep, and I'll tell you why. So that every shriek of every child at seeing your hideousness will be yours to cherish. Every babe that weeps at your approach, every woman who cries out, Dear God, what is that thing? will echo in your perfect ears. I mean, that's just describing my awkward phase during high school. So, <laughs> I already lived that. No, I mean, that, that haunted me. Uh, does, does that get your guys' go-to? He, by the, speaking of getting goats, okay? Get some goats. He knew exactly how to get that guy's go. He knew exactly what to say that would horrify uh, uh, Prince Humperdinck the most, right? And kill enough time that he can, you know, presumably gain feeling mm -hmm. back in his body because that's the thing. He's trying yes. to kill time because he's paralyzed. He betrays yeah, it well, doesn't so he? Where yeah. the, the limpness to, like, he just has enough, like, really the whole, the whole ruse rides upon him being able to stand and present. That's all yeah. he has to do, but we still are with him on that struggle because we he played the limp so well in the previous scenes leading up to it. And the one scene that I actually played the clip for earlier when they um it's Fezig, right? The giant he 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 grabs him and kind of hoists his head back up over the thing to look at the guys. The way mm -hmm. they frame that in was really great over the wall because you get it from you get the camera coming over the, the other side and you just see Carol use his head kind of peek up and over. And they just get a glint of his eye somehow, like looking back. So you believe he could have seen it, you know, it's one of those things that looks good on camera, but there's no way he could have actually, that would have worked in real life, but it's just brilliantly uh, framed in there. Yeah. It's it, this whole film. I feel like has a vibe of like a stage production um, while Definitely. also being like very well produced and like very like intelligently shot in a way that doesn't make it seem obvious. It's just like you know, those, those perfect little moments where it's like, yeah, they shot that perfectly or like the rat mm -hmm. jumping and attacking uh, Wesley in the swamp. It's like these perfect little things that seem spontaneous and not like amateurish, but like simple, but it's being, it's actually pretty complicated to make it look that like sort of simple and carefree. And I don't know. There's some I'll quality about this. it that's very unique. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. When I found out about capybaras, the, the big rodents, I think they're in Africa or something, or maybe South America. I think it's maybe South America. Um, who, if you know what those are, you of course think of this movie right away, right? Yeah, they're literally rodents of unusual size. Yeah. The first time I found out those are real, I, I couldn't believe it. I was gobsmacked. Stay of the fire swamp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. And that uh, scene also, I feel like, is like a perfect... Like if you don't know what D and D is, like that's that's it. It's like that's like the fire swamp scene. <laughs> I feel call. like it's such a D and D moment of it like is. learning how the traps work, like making your perception check to hear the little tick before the burst burst of fire, and like they both you know uh, uh, fail their perception on the the quicksand. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yep. His like quick thinking of like tying a rope around his foot and jumping in, like all of that, this feels so. And D&D bringing it home by burning the rat with the pit trap that was there, like using the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and like I that get... era too, it totally makes sense that that would be a D and D like even like oh, a D and D reference. Maybe the writer played it. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I, I wonder. Uh, who, I uh, I think the author of the book at least had a hand in adapting. I didn't look that up. I should have. Um, but yeah, this movie has a way of like. Oh, I didn't capture the line that he said there, but I thought it was pretty D and D too. When uh, it, it sounded like some like player character. Uh, quips she's like oh we'll never survive this and he's like you're only saying that because no one ever has that's just kind of a very like <laughs> dnd moment um but this movie i think in and i want to know what you guys think uh I, I feel like it has a way of flying under your radar if you don't know what it is to the point where you might actually if you didn't know anything might think it's bad like pepe's sister and i'm not really basing that off that story but i feel like other people have maybe had that experience too is just the title the princess bride is the most generic title you could possibly come up with for a fantasy thing and like like you were saying Devin, it looks very stagey which can work against a movie you know and you might even suspect if you saw a few shots of it and that's all you're basing it off of that it would be kind of cheesy and stagey and, and corny maybe you know but they somehow strike the right balance there which is yeah. and they make it look easy yeah, and, and speaking to sort of the perception, too, since we didn't mention it, this does have a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and, and the Tomato Oh, wow, way up and, there. Yeah, 94 for audience and an 8.0 on IMDb. So audience slightly cooler on it, which might speak to that sort of, um, you know, misperception of it, because obviously they have no way on these websites to verify that you've even seen the movie when you rate it badly. Maybe you mm-hmm. saw mm. five minutes of it and said, this looks dumb. I'm going to go give it a 1.0 on yeah. IMDb. I suspect there's some of that happening there, yeah. Or just people who have just ate in their hearts and are just uh, not uh, redeemable. They're beyond redemption at this point. <laughs> I, I am curious the overall opinions of, of uh, James and, and Jim. We haven't heard like a, like a hot... I mean, we assume you love it, but I don't know. What do you guys think of this movie? I see everyone laughing while we're playing the clips. I, I'll say that much, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Pepe's about to drop the sword of Damocles. Pepe, I see Pepe, it in his face first. already. <laughs> the, sword. <laughs> <laughs> the sword's dangling. All right, uh, my my hopes for 4.0 are rapidly uh, evaporating. <laughs> so you're going first, Pepe, or are you going first, Jim? Who's going? Yeah, no, I'm I'm winding up here. Okay, okay, Jim. Um. Oh no. Okay, it is Pepe. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I've seen this movie a couple of times and every time I've watched it, as far as I remember, I've really enjoyed it. Um, this last time I watched it, I didn't like it as much. Um, and I'm not sure why, maybe it's just that I've, I've seen it so many times now. Um, that the jokes, you know, they don't land as well. Um, if I might it, ask, it, how long has it been since you last seen it? Or do you, or can you estimate that? Because for me, it'd be been a, a long, long time. time. Okay, it'd been yeah, a long time for me long... too. So we're, we're coming at this with even ground in that sense then. 
like yeah, you didn't yeah. watch it, you know, two times this year and burn out on it. This you haven't seen it. In no, while. so that's okay. I haven't go ahead. seen this in a long time. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. Um, it it has a lot of charm, but I it did it didn't make me laugh out loud all that much, especially in the scenes that I think are really funny. Mostly because I know what they knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, and um i think some of that um i don't know for some reason like some of the things some of the like um i don't know un i don't even know how to put it like or like i like i said at the beginning like when those guys are having their sword fight scene and like they jump off the little, the like little rock and you can see that they're like jumping onto a mat. Mm-hmm. Like it, that just like, stagey really stuff. Took me, yeah, it like really took me out of it. Um, and it, it was just like, ah, that's kind of crummy, you know, <laughs> like I can totally tell that that guy jumped onto like a pillow basically because of the way the like dirt moved. Um, yeah, and then um the like the like love story is so sort of saccharine, I don't know. It just didn't land that well. The love again, story like, is cliche because and I know you know this, it's supposed to be a take on a fairy tale in which all those things are the most cliche. They lean into that because that's a trope of fairy tales, right? Yeah, but this movie also seems like it wants to like subvert that a little bit and then kind of can't decide whether it wants to or not. Um, it wants to send it up, but I don't think it, it, it wants to subvert the tropes there and that you know it. Like, you know, like Scary Movie or something like that. If they're sending up uh, horror movies, they want to keep those tropes in there, but they want to put them in a way that's making fun of it. Okay, yeah, maybe that's a better way of putting it then. Um, okay, moving yeah, on. I don't know. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I, to be honest, I... I'll take that as a win, I've, uh, Jim. I, I've, been th- I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. And yeah, going sure, into, no. Going into it, I watched this with my mom and my sister. Oh, neat. And going into it, I was super excited to watch it. Because I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I knew it was good. And then the longer it went on, the more I was like, oh, I don't like this that much. And then afterwards, I was just like, oh, that wasn't that much fun. Um, And I have been having a hard time putting my finger on why. Um, Yeah, maybe it's just like not holding. Like this movie didn't occupy a huge like mental space for me as a kid as much as some other movies did. And so maybe my like nostalgia for it just isn't strong enough. That's kind of what I was assessing. I was going to say that for some reason, there wasn't enough nostalgia in the tank to get you through having seen the jokes. Like once you can see the jokes coming, you'd better be like tapping into something else to keep the, the engines running, you know? Because otherwise yeah. you're just re-watching something that didn't... So when did you... You must not have seen this early, like, really young then. 
don't, yeah, this I don't was this movie by my memory was always around, and it was like one of the ones I just don't remember not having seen. You know, one of those. Yeah, this wasn't like a staple watch for me. Um, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like the one that I would rent every time I would go to the every time like it was my birthday we would go to the video store and rent. Uh, we would go to Bradley November. Video and rent. It was it was November. Yeah. November. Yeah. No, actually, actually the to be honest, I I haven't watched this movie in a long time, but I I feel like if I did watch it again, it pro- I probably wouldn't think, or maybe it would just because I haven't seen it in so so long. But the movies that I would that we would rent when I was a kid, and we were it was like my birthday or something would be mm-hmm. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, of course. Okay. Um, and then this other movie called Pure Luck, which I have to that's assume with, uh, is a that's with Don't Tell Me. De- um... Pure Luck is with uh, Donald, uh, Danny Glover, and um, what's his what's his name? Uh, the comedian. Am I am I? Do you want this? me to? Do you want me to tell you? Or yeah, not? yeah. Pull me out. Pull me out of here because I'm not getting Martin Short. Here. Martin Short. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I, interesting. When I was a kid, I thought that shit was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever seen. Okay. Um, sure. Sure. But when I've mentioned it to other people and they've known the movie, they're like, "That's a terrible movie." <laughs> Yeah, I think it was um, like a, considered a flop, but I do remember seeing it and I didn't love it or hate it, but that's interesting that it it's funny how those quirky movies will somehow just weave their way into your tapestry. Yes. Like yes. You don't really assess them critically anymore in a, in a way. But continue, I'm sorry I'm cutting into your Yeah, I'm feel. just I'm looking up I'm looking at this movie. So oh, okay. Pure luck, pure luck on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> has a 9% critic score. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was kind of Martin Short at his most annoying, if I remember correctly. Uh, I remember man, a scene where yeah. he he like did they, they did like the the fat suit gag at one point because he like ate something that he was allergic to. I remember that. That's all I remember about that movie is that at one point he was like having some kind of like terrible yeah, allergic yes. reaction that was funny or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I don't but, remember anything other than but, yeah, thing. like my my like preteen friends and I just thought that was the funniest shit ever committed to film. That's so great. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And so I wonder now if I were to watch it again, I would think it was <laughs> funny at all, but test of times, a legit submission here. I mean, I did that for a couple of them where I wasn't sure about, you know, so if that comes up, yeah. now you guys will know if torture Devin with pure up, luck, it was, it was me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that so all that is to say, for, yeah, for some reason on this showing uh, or on this viewing, um, maybe I was just overhyped. Maybe I overhyped myself. Yeah, like um, I said, it's kind of an under the radar film. You know, I might count on that in in a certain way. What do you like the fact that you don't it see now? it coming? The fact that you don't see it coming is one of the the appeals, I think, or one of the one of its tricks, maybe. Um, yeah, but if I you do I, see it coming, you don't have the nostalgia gas in your tank. Then uh, we might arrive at where we're at. Yeah, it's. I think now that because like when you're playing these clips and when we're talking about it, like there, mm-hmm. it's funny. You know, I'm. Yeah, I'm seeing you laughing and chuckling along with it. So. Yeah, and I mean, there are certain things. There are certain things in life that are funnier in remembrance than in actuality. 
and maybe this movie has gotten that's why for me. I predict that inevitably when my older brother does the marriage bit at my little sister's wedding it will fall mm-hmm. completely flat yes <laughs> well it's taken out of context and you too. will hear me laugh um, yeah exactly in the back yeah. I, I mean if someone at the situation if someone did that at a marriage that they were officiating i would laugh i'm gonna laugh if I, if if I for a different ex- reason especially if i wasn't expecting yeah if he, gets a laugh, I will, if he gets a laugh i'll buy him a drink for sure, because that's ballsy to do. Well, you're like, I can, I can so. do that impression, but if I was officiating, I wouldn't have the balls to like. Yeah, you know, it is a bold move. Yes, it's bold. Yes. Like you really have to stick it in, like, in, like, really don't half-ass it. So I'll, I'll see. He's pretty good at. Okay, so this is my older brother when he's not working. He's very serious when he's working, but um. When he's like playing, he <laughs> is when he's yeah, when he's clocked off, he can is be he like a, is he like a he's zany, man. He showed up, <laughs> he showed up to no, he's a he's actually a fire chief. Um, um, mm, he he job. bumps up against yeah. the governor sometimes, yeah. Mm. Um, so he's one of the guys on the news that will tell you what the situation is with the fires going and stuff, but anyway, mm. so like, but when he's off the clock, he he likes to cut it up. He showed up at the casino wearing a full Dumb and Dumber tuxedo regalia, like the, the orange tuxedo with the top hat and stuff. <laughs> just and just owned it, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had to applaud it. He he definitely stuck it out. It was funny. Uh, so we'll see. I'll, I'll I'll give you guys an update about that. All right, so Jim. Jim time yeah, time for you to tell us that Will, why Willow's better. Um, and, I, and I give you full permission, because in the Willow episode, me and Kat both said that we didn't like it because we thought we would rather just be watching Princess Bride. So if anyone oh, remembered episode, okay. that episode, they would have known I submitted this movie because I, I compared it directly to Willow and said it was better. So go ahead, Jim. Sorry. Right. Which was I'll, Series I'll, 1, Episode 1? 2, I believe. 2, two episode, Series 1, Episode lighthouse 2. Are, yeah, we are decided to open with The yeah. Lighthouse. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> dark yeah um i i forgot what i thought about this movie no (laughs) so speaking of movies that you know because you watch them young you have those very rose tinted glasses willow was one of them um halloween three and and these are like not the greatest movies but i love them and i still love them as an adult you know even though i know better right um, Halloween three was bad, but I, because I had seen that in the third grade, um, night of the comet bad, but because I, I had seen one. it when I was young, I love that movie. And I watched it like last year and I was like, this is campy as fuck, but yeah. damn, do I love it? You know, it scared um, me when I was a kid. Yeah, it did. Me too. Halloween three scared me. I remember which one was that? Refresh my memory because they kind of blur together on the season of the witch. So it didn't follow the Michael Myers franchise because originally that was was considered their mistake. Yes, but the original the the whole the Halloween movies are supposed to be an anthology. Yeah, each movie was a complete tale. That's right. That was how it was supposed to be. yeah. Yeah. So they tried to revert back to that, and that's not what the fans wanted. So yeah. it, 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 because we're not talking about that movie, we're talking about Princess Bride just very quick. It's just the Halloween masks, and they turn uh, basically the kids into monsters. I'm not going to say anymore. If you want to, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Jeez, I don't um, know if I have seen that. Maybe I should watch it. Dang. 
Yeah, and so and the genres of movies that I watched as a as, as a kid growing up were action movies. I've kind of outgrown those. I do like yeah. a good action, but I would say out of the genres, they're the hardest to be inventive. You know, like Die Hard was really, really good. The Rock, I really, really enjoyed as well. But for the most part, action movies just tend to, it's a formula. and they Unless just you're it. changing the, yeah, you have to really introduce something big like the Matrix did and like the other movies you're talking yes. about, Die Hard. Yes. All of a sudden a regular dude and he wasn't roided up was the hero, you know? Yeah, or Equalizer um, before they came out with a schlock of movies that were mm-hmm. like Equalizer. Um, yeah. So so action movies, horror movies, like you guys all know, and fantasy movies. Yeah, and, fantasy is huge for me. And Princess Bride was one of those. It wasn't like the top, I think I really enjoyed like Conan and Kroll, the more yeah. serious. But I watched Beastmaster. All the, the, if I might. I, yeah, Beastmaster was another one. Thank you for really mentioning that. that. I've forgotten about that. I love that. But I watched yeah. like all the B B ones, like um uh Deathstalker, um uh Buckaroo Banzai across the sixth mm-hmm. dimension or whatever. Like all anyways. Mm-hmm. So Princess Bride was one of them that I would watch when it came on. I would watch it just like what Devin was saying. I think it would come on TNT USA, you know, from time to time. And I'd be there watching it as a kid like that. I love that movie. Um, But I hadn't seen it in a while, just like Pepe. And so I remember the very memorable scenes of which there are many. Um, the some of the clips that you play, like uh, um, you know, um, you know, Matigo Matoya, you know, prepare to die. Like those are classic. But I don't, I didn't remember the nuances. I didn't remember the very sweet interaction between Fred Savage as a grandson and the grandfather, and mm-hmm. you know, the part where he's like, oh, you know. Uh, they're not kissing, are they? No, I don't want there to be kissing and that kind of thing. And then towards the end, he's like, well, it's okay. You, you he had know, his character just, arc too. Yeah, yeah. Peter Falk made a Gen Xer care about something outside of video games. That's the story. Yeah. And so those nuances I had forgotten about. The, the ones that are, um, I guess they flew under the radar for me. And so mm-hmm. watching this movie, I got to relive those moments. I knew the twists and turns of the movie, like it's not surprising, but being able to see the small moments, you you know, that that, um, added, because they were there, they added an emotionality to the the movie and carry it, you you know, um, to the bigger scenes. And uh, yeah, this movie has a special place in my heart. So it didn't, dim my liking of it any less um i thoroughly en- enjoyed it now i only watched it once i watched it you know a few weeks back mm-hmm. um i did i just didn't want to rewatch it you, you know probably because i had seen it so many times yeah it's almost like you, if you've seen a movie enough you don't need to rewatch it even if it's been a, yeah we took an extended break for those who don't get what you why you watched it a couple weeks ago yeah. um yeah it's the the princess bride is is definitely it's one of those ones where you know if you're if you have seen it a, enough um 
I think that when when you rewatch it, you kind of like you you almost I, I don't need to I didn't need like since I know it so well, I guess I just it I was able to just write it out on the jokes that I knew were coming and just kind of celebrate them from an aspect mm. of how good they were, maybe. Um, and how entertaining yeah. I think and over to- over the top the performances are, and um, but it also still and maybe this is to Rob Reiner's credit, it still got me in the feels. Did it like did it get you guys mm-hmm. in the feels still, or yes. did it did it totally miss that? Yeah, because I was like even and for me, I'm a big Peter Falk fan, and he's gone now, and like that last scene even got me because he's like you know leaving and as you wish and all that. Um, and the and the music's very emotional too. Rob Reiner's good at that. He did that. Uh, no wonder uh, Billy Crystal's in this because he he did uh, when Harry met Sally, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's why he's in this too. Yeah, he's good at that. Yeah. They did that in when in Harry met Sally too, where they would be like very comedic, but then they they just all of a sudden are able. He's able to do that. But yeah, I was a little choked up a couple of times with some kind of uh, emotion. Um, I I can't and what that emotion is being uh, an Android, but uh, that yeah. we'll wait for another episode <laughs> to delve into that. But it's a new experience no. for me and I'm trying to figure it out. So did it get you guys in the feels? Yeah, for me, honestly, I think it's the, the final um, Anigo Montoya battle scene, honestly. Oh, yeah, the emotionality and the, the Mandel Tinkin brings to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's so it's good. Like, yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah, I don't know. Something about the way he delivers his lines is like a lot of raw emotion in there. And they deliver on all those all these things that they carefully set up in the plot earlier, you know, you, it's the super fun, happy ending. It's a total American ending. In fact, in the book, uh, his character and his wound ends up opening back up and he's described as bleeding out and dying later. So I was telling mm-hmm. uh, my wife, Kendra, that earlier that in the book, it's not as happy an ending. Um, but he's it's, in the book. It's funny because it's really the guy is writing this and it's not a real I'm almost certain it's not a real book that he was basing it off of. It was just a thing. So saying that he was telling, giving his daughter the the happy ending, I guess, filtered through the adaptation. They don't tell you that he that in the book he's mentioned as dying. Hmm. So, but, did you get choked up, Pepe? No, I didn't get choked <laughs> up. I, mean, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How about your uh, sister or your mom? Did it get them in the feels? No, my mom really, really liked it. Although I think it might have been the first time she's seen it. Ah, okay. Oh, wow. Um, well, go wake her up and get her in here. <laughs> <laughs> wake her up? No, I don't know. Oh, I'm not paying attention to the time. <laughs> We're not doing our midnight show anymore. That's right. Yeah, that was a couple series ago. Um, I mean, I... Like it made me have emotions. Like I was happy when the happy things happened and I was, but it didn't make you cry. Like when ET left. (laughs) No. Or when Bambi's Uh, mom got shot. (laughs) I think that, um, I've been thinking about it now just while you guys were talking and like, Mm -hmm. there are for, at least for, for me, like, I think that, I think that essentially, this is um, a kid's movie. Now that isn't sure. to say that like adults can't enjoy it, whatever. I think it is. I think it's basically made for kids. Um, and for me, I have, I oftentimes have like 
problems really enjoying kids movies now as yeah that's adult. a fair point um yeah because like our mutual friend james will often uh he wants to go see like everything that pixar releases mm-hmm. and he fucking loves them in a way that like i just don't like i think that yeah. they're good and they are mm-hmm. enjoyable um but people like they people like love Toy Story and they like loved mm-hmm. uh, that like animated Spider-Man movie, which I thought was good too. Mm-hmm. But like, it wasn't my favorite fucking thing that I'd ever seen, you know. Um, and I think it's just a product of them being kids' movies, and like they are good, and they can you know have why... things in them that like adults okay, can on, interact with. Hang on. Okay, sure. The Spider-Man movie is a bad example because the reason why I think that Spider-Man is that movie is so beloved is because it was one of those movies that changed the genre of animation. They did the stylization and then they also introduced the multiverse, which was kind of like a new thing. So there's like a lot of like novel spectacle in that movie that I think that elevates it above the main storyline, right? It was a solid Spider-Man flick, but other things were happening there that I, that culturally were relevant, right? Did I did I make I, my point? I don't know. I, I I'll take your word for it. I guess. I well, mean, th- things like that. Like I don't like if you if you watch like a movie where it's like this is the first movie where like this type or where like uh, they use like a dolly for the for the camera but like the movie's not that great you're like i don't fucking care about like the way this is filmed you know so so I, i'm not necessarily saying that that's like what you meant but like they're like if you're if you're if you want to show someone a movie and be like this movie was revolutionary because of the filmography but the movie as a whole isn't that great uh I don't like I think that would be a hard sell as that being like a great movie because it was No, I'm uh, not I'm also think the movie was good though. I don't think it was a bad movie. Um I really yeah. liked the movie. I just thought it kind of was also elevated by that the element of the novel spectacle of new stuff. And I think the bigger thing was just the way they did it all stylized was like really new and then uh, America has this problem with like making animated films for people who aren't little kids like little little kids like the pixar movies even do where it's like very cartoony and childlike in their view of things right in in other cultures and particularly japan they have been making animation for you know people of all ages for a long time as part of their culture mm-hmm. so i think that well, was that, kind of a breakthrough in that sense as well that brings me to what i wanted to mention uh, or ask pepe is how you feel like what, what about Ghibli movies are different for you because I know you you appreciate Ghibli movies as an adult and they are oh, that's a good objectively question. kids movies. Um, how, like, what do you think separates those? I'm just curious. Um, Pixar and Ghibli, what's the difference? Yeah, with the fascination yeah. for you specifically. Yeah, because um, there's a difference for me too. So I'm curious what you think, Pepe. I I will agree that the Ghibli movies are, I think, essentially kids' movies, although I think they deal with, um, I think the characters in them are generally more real person characters. Um, And they are also, um, they're also like works of art in a way that 
Pixar movies just aren't. Um, like, and I, I know that's like an, that might be like a personal sort of like aesthetic taste kind of thing. I'm with you on that um, though. 2D stuff, but, artists do stuff in 2D that you just can't capture in yeah, 3D. Like, For me personally, I just really appreciate the artistry where you're actually having a hand drawing it rather than a computer generating it. Yeah, I think that like Spirited Away, for example, looks better than is the best looking animated film ever made. I mean, it's hard to compete with. It's hard to compare it to other things just because it's like the top of the heap, you know? I mean, there may be some others that are close seconds, but it's the best, you know? Um, but but I would say that even in those Ghibli movies like Spirited Away, um, they're never going to be they're never going to be as good, or I guess I should say they're never going to be as interesting to me as like an an adult movie. I would even even those examples. I mean, I I like Spirited Away a lot, and I like Totoro a lot, and I like a lot of those uh, a lot of the other ones a lot a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, give me give me November. <laughs> in a family film, they're gonna put in jokes like, for like adults, November but really, they know. Away. Yeah, yeah, I get you. In, in a, no, in I, a I film don't. like I, that, I like Spirited Away better. I think than November. What Although the November? I, I think I think I do like Spirited Away better than November, but I also like November a lot, but for a lot of different reasons. You know. It's very different. Yeah, it's almost apples yeah. and oranges, other than they're both considered films or feature films. But, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's parallels to be drawn, I guess. But uh, yeah, now I've lost my train of thought. I was going to say something uh, impactful, and <laughs> but uh, uh, you, were talking, you were talking about adult themes and child child themes. Oh yeah, in a family film, you're going to find you know that the writers, when they're done right, write tons of stuff that are funny to, to adults and people of all ages. Mm-hmm. But you're they're still expecting you to take your kid to the movie, you know. And so, yeah. I mean, there is something to that, sure. Um, one of my favorite films is a Ghibli uh, film, uh, as I've said before, though, like right up there. But for me, like for some reason, like coming of age stories really appeal to me, you know, and that that's across any of the genres like Days and Confused is another big film for me that I really like. Um, but it's just something about the the whole idea of like that transition from being a kid and to kind of taking responsibility for the first time. Uh, it really appeals to me. Um, so that's probably why it rates so high for me. But then there's, you know, there's tons of movies that you're like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we're talking about like island films here, that probably makes it, but then other movies that would make it on would be definitely not for kids at all, you know? Yeah. You get your Novembers in there and such. Right, yeah. There's always room for November. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. All right. Uh, yeah, anything? I mean, anything else you guys want to throw in there? Yeah. Well, I was just gonna. I was gonna comment that, like, thinking you mentioned like desert island movies, mm-hmm. and like one movie. Well, maybe I shouldn't say. I shouldn't. Maybe this one particular movie I shouldn't say. But like, because you're gonna I submit can, it later. Yeah, because it might come up later. But yeah, um, I've talked about. But like Alien, I can watch infinity times. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that movie. Um, like, if you really look at it, it's not like a pleasant movie. Like, terrible things are happening in that to those people mm-hmm. in that movie, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's something that's so appealing about it. 
that you can, I don't know that it like overcomes that. Uh, I don't the even terrible need, I don't stuff even they're presenting you with. That, well, but, but like that terribleness is almost, is part of it, right? Because you can't, cause you're like, cause yeah, it's so like bound up with it that it, I don't know. It's strange, like how we can, how we can like separate movies like that because, and maybe it's just because it's fiction, right? Because you you wouldn't want to watch like the first half hour of like Saving Private Ryan, or you wouldn't want to pop in like Schindler's List on like a like a nice day that you're having and watch that. Mm-hmm. But like if I'm having a good day, like Alien is going to make my day even better in a way that like you know. Uh, Requiem for a Dream is not. You know? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say Requiem for a Dream is always the one for me that you can reference. Um, yeah, yeah. There's something in there that just breaks, and I think it's when you. I, I'm just taking a. I'm just going to do a hot take, you know, off the cuff here. I think maybe it has to do with the sci-fi elements and the sense of wonder about that kind of stuff and the really strong characters that are in it. I, I somehow think- their effects and everything still hold up pretty fucking well, you know so good yeah i think as well there's uh, you know like they talk about you know the uncanny valley of human resemblance right when a doll just looks too too real and it just weirds you out makes little kids cry you know that's part of the reason why clowns are scary Mm -hmm. um i think there's an uncanny valley as well when it applies to films requiem dream is too on the nose yeah, you know, we right. all know somebody that has suffered from drug addiction. Yeah, there's no you know, wonder we all, to it. You know? Yeah, we all, we all <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all know somebody that is too wrapped up. Well, too wrapped up in like infomercials or that equivalent nowadays, where they buy the miracle cure all, and it's just a flim flam scheme. You, you you know, that's um, and even though any it's product that puts miracle film, in the name, watch out. Yeah, and even though Life it's an art house pain, film, highness. it's 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 very dark in the music. I think because I love Alien too, and I've watched that movie I don't know how many times. That one and you know Aliens, the sequel, and I think it's it's um, the atmosphere, you, you, you know that that the atmosphere, the great performances. Um, Aliens, our Alien was that first movie to show that space. You know, when we travel in space in the future, it's not all clean mm-hmm. and we're not all getting along like it was with, you know, Star Trek. It was dirty and messy. And these people are kind of messy. They're you, real. You know, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're approachable. Yeah, there was a lot of alert to they're it. not on a pedestal was, like Star Trek puts its people, you know. Yeah, but it was enough of a distance that it doesn't as closely resemble our own lives or some of the things that go on, you know, in our own lives. And so it's a movie that you can watch over and over, which, you know, I've seen Schindler's List quite a few times, but it's not a, a, a movie that I have that same type of distance. It's, it's uncomfortable. You know, watching that movie is, is uncomfortable. Um, watching Requiem for a Dream is uncomfortable. Watching Malcolm X is uncomfortable, you, you, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah. Devin, I see you it. nodding along. What do you think of Alien? <laughs> I know you haven't seen <laughs> it. Son of a bitch hasn't seen it. Let's bring it back to the Princess Bride, though. I can't believe yeah. that I haven't mentioned the Life Is Pain Highness thing until just now, and it wasn't Pretty even. Long. It didn't even come up 
because of the Princess Bride. It came up organically because that movie's so fucking quotable. Uh, Life is Pain on That's the real one that hundreds of people probably have tattooed on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking to what Jim said, yeah, th- that's I think that's the biggest thing about this movie. And I mentioned it back when I was talking about why I picked it is it's a mm-hmm. comfortable movie. It's mm-hmm. it's it's so it's, you know, something about it is just warm. And uh, I don't know, it's it's always the same. It's like getting McDonald's, you know, you can go mm-hmm. y- anywhere in the world. You stop at McDonald's, you get the same quality food. You know, you know, it's not going to be great, but it's going to taste the same. <laughs> and yeah, it's like it's just I don't know. I love it. Maybe. Yeah. Now, actually, now that you say that, Devin, maybe that's why. I didn't like it that much on this viewing just because it, it like really just asks nothing of you. Yeah. Like McDonald's. <laughs> Sometimes sure, you're yeah. not in the mood for McDonald's, you know, nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I'll judge I, that I'll, analogy I'll to asks, be apt. All it asks of you is to like, have your eyes pointed at it. And even then really not, not even that, like just be, be yeah. able to hear it. It's so quotable. Yeah. You can just listen. Yeah. To it. Yeah. I have yeah. some more stuff. <laughs> Speaking of quotable stuff, um, <laughs> here's one that I always liked. I don't know. Tell, let me know if you guys thought it's ba- it's okay. It's really bad, and yeah, I only chuckle because it's a bad joke. But <laughs> I always really quote bad. this part too. I mean, I like it. I like the just, there's something to the scenes that Rob Reiner's stuffs in that are just very pleasant and enjoyable. I don't know. So here's stop that rhyming. He can fuss. Fuss, fuss. Think you like to scream at us? Probably he means no harm. He's very, very short on charm. You have a great gift for right? Yes, yes. Some of the time. Enough of that! Percy, are there rocks ahead? If they are. We'll be dead. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to be that? I don't know. I didn't even expect that to get mm. me then, but it did. It's just charming. Yeah, it's a gift fucking for charming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? What a thing to say. It's so. It's a gift yeah. for. It's dumb, again, but it's great. It's a, it just feels very real, and it just really just makes it brings you in and draws you in. It makes you feel you like these guys, even though they're doing a bad thing, and it's it's, it's just a great <laughs> setup. It's more like total D and D party chat kind of stuff. Like it totally it sounds more like, like some yeah. shit that would happen in D and D. Exactly. NPC was like stop fucking rhyming. Table talk. Yeah. It's just good fun, you know. That's it. And uh, it's genuine, and it comes across that way. And uh, you know, it's mm. they they must have had a great time filming this. I don't. I haven't heard a lot of the stories. I know there's a documentary out on maybe HBO or something about this film. I think it was called. You know what? If you look up Rob Reiner's IMDb, it listed under one of the recent projects. There, there was a move. There was a documentary about making this. I think that came out recently. Maybe hmm. I'm wrong, but maybe check it. But um, yeah, it's just there's there's endless moments like that. It's like one of those regressive, like when you shine a mirror on another mirror and it just kind of goes back into infinity. You just from 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 stern to bow. You know, you're just going to get one thing after another. Um, I'll play the Peter Falk. This will be the last clip. I'll play the Peter Falk uh, ending that got me a little choked up. Uh, one of the parts, um, definitely Inigo Montoya's was another one. And something about the music, which I don't actually capture in here, is just kind of nice. 
they did a good job on the score. They did a good job on the music. It was um, appropriate and emotional and memorable. But uh, uh, you'll just have to remember it because I didn't capture it at the end of the cliff. It was running too long. But you do get plenty of Peter Falk. And as they reach for each other... What? What? No, it's kissing again. You don't want to hear that. I don't mind so much. Okay. Since the invention of the kiss, there have been five kisses that were rated the most passionate, the most pure. This one left them all behind. The end. Now, I think you ought to go to sleep. up and they show you know scenes from the movie in the credits which is also fun they know what they had i think i think they were just at that point just celebrating it themselves in a way because they just we're just going to show clips from the movie you just watched and you're still going to watch them again because you like it yeah here's mandy yeah, exactly. patinkin doing something you like that <laughs> scene remember when billy crystal was funny <laughs> yeah here's his name <laughs> i uh... I wanted to mention too, because this this memory just came to me all of a sudden okay. uh, while listening to this, that in middle school, I had an assignment. We had an assignment in a creative writing class. It was actually a pretty smart assignment, thinking back on it, to basically write a short story based in the world of something else, like a book or a movie that we'd already read. Basically write fan fiction was the, the assignment mm-hmm. was to like write mm-hmm. some short fan fiction. And uh, which was smart, not only because it's a, it's like a good creative writing hook that the kids will be excited for, but also it like kind of demands some media literacy of them to like, understand the world of something and then create a story that makes sense in that world um, but i chose this and the story i wrote was uh basically the lost years of wesley as he was dread pirate roberts it was like stories of him as dread pirate roberts and how he interacted with the other dread pirate roberts and like expanding that story a little and uh, yeah cool it just reminded me that even at the age of like you know what was i like 10 or 11 this had such an impact on me that i wanted to not only watch it but write about it you know like expand the universe it was big enough yeah and there's a lot of history that they just imply with broad strokes there which good stories do and they weave that stuff in you know like boba fett is the best example not now that they've like delved into it but before when he was just a cool guy in a mask you know broad strokes sometimes broad strokes are, are good like that they leave it to your imagination to run wild in that world later you know that's a it's a good thing. Yeah. I'm glad that, that did that for you. That's neat. Really cool. Um, yeah, this movie had a lot of like the best of this and that. Like everything was the best. Like he was the best swordsman, you know, and the biggest giant, mm-hmm. the smartest guy. And even in, I remember now in the title of the book, it was like the Princess Bride, SS Morgan. I think it's SS Morgenstern's classic tale of this or that, you know. And it was just the guy was named like putting the title himself so he's like even weaving that into the title 
Like, this is the best story, you know, <laughs> which was, which is pretty good. And they flaunt that throughout the mm-hmm. movie. That theme keeps coming up again and again. And then the best uh, yeah. clergyman, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's, there's like, I'm not, it's not to say that this movie is flawless. It's not, I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't think it's the no, best. No. Uh, so but maybe charming like, in its, in its uh, yeah. flaws. It's one of those things. It's it's like very easy to overlook stuff, like like the fact that Wesley's kind of a Mary Sue. You know, he's he's like you just oh, he, all these guys who are the best at everything, and he just comes along and beats all of them like yes. handily. That's and, because uh, he's the hero, right? That's the trope. Exactly. Right? Somehow he's, the, he's, he's the in five years got better than this guy who exactly, uh, yeah. who's even studied the Agrippa, you know, of that one <laughs> yeah. guy's style. So he knows that it's still effective. Yeah. Yeah. He is he is the quintessential hero, and in in that way also, Buttercup is sort of the quintessential damsel in distress. Um, they don't yeah, do a lot. Of, there's not a lot of character development there with her. She's just sort of there to be in trouble and be rescued. Right. And it, let's, it's fine. She's an archetype. Let's talk about those. Yeah, because I did notice that you don't not notice these things, especially when now that's a different era. I noticed when he was threatening to hit her. I noticed when um, they fell in love just from looks and that's the true love thing like Pepe was saying which is we all know is just silly childlike stuff but um and we all see how in the scenes with Robin Wright and them she is very basically carried around like a sack just from one passed off from one character to another but I can forgive it that because it's leaning into tropes that are associated with fairy tales right yeah, it is sort of a parody film at its core. Like the comparison to Scary Movie is not a bad one. Like it does kind of mm-hmm. have that. It's it's a, but it walks a weird line though. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's serious it's too, not being, which is yeah, exactly. it's rare it's not in that totally way. leaning into that parody because I don't think that was quite as popular back then. Except outside of like Monty Python, um, it was not as popular to be like just all all, all the time. Yes, so, yeah, yes, they, yes. There's a little bit of seriousness in there. It, it's hard to classify it as one genre in fact i said it i think in the beginning i said that it was classified as a uh comedy fantasy film but in imdb and you may have mentioned this in your rundown i don't remember but they 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 list like five or six different genres in the in the ex, the descriptor for this film so they they got it all in there um maybe i should maybe i should look it up for just for the uh, fun it says- of it adventure family fantasy so they don't actually mention really? comedy. I thought there was like five or six in there I swear. yeah it's only three but i think family kind of encompasses a lot family is kind of a catch-all category where it's like all fa- you know family movies are generally comedies and they're you know generally kids movies and like you know it's sort of a broader families term, but... yeah you can apply that to a lot of stuff yeah but they didn't, i don't think they no list custom. did they list comedy no no comedy that's what i'm saying yeah so yeah they kind i of added that because it's like come on yeah I'm looking to see if we have this if we're looking at the same page because I swear I had like five of them but not comedy. But my memory is fallible. Maybe extremely so. Hmm. Do they make many like do they okay, make many yeah. live action family movies anymore? Yes, for streaming. Common. So where I'm oh, looking, yeah. it, it shows four different genres. Adventure, family, fantasy, and romance. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like the the top page of the IMDb, not the like dig down. But they they changed how IMDb's layout is, and I don't know if it's for the better. But yeah, they listed four, and they didn't put comedy. I was like, I could really keep going with this one, you know. What about the machine? I, we haven't okay. talked about the machine. That that one was a haunting one too, like legit. I thought sucking a year of your life out, 
came up with that? Yeah. That was one of the things that stuck with me about this movie was that yeah. machine because he's he's being tortured and they talk about how terrible his torture is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like they like they name the thing they're doing to him and then they do it to him. But it also has like um I guess in my mind it also had like a weird sort of sexual component to it too. Because they put those like things on his on his like some nipple, S&M right? stuff, yeah, and the um and the guy the guy got is, pleasure out of it, right? I mean, yeah, he seems to be kind of enjoying it, and he's such a he he plays um that's Christopher Guest he he plays it so yeah waiting like, for Guffman, which is like crazy. So he's such a good character. Flat. Yeah, yeah. It was very. Yeah, this strange. is not him at an eleven. This is not him at a Guffman. Or not, a, no, not whatever no. his character name was. What was his character's name in Waiting for Guffman? You remember? I I don't. I've never seen it. Oh, I thought you didn't. I thought you mentioned that movie not liking it because there. It's this. It's the same guys that did um, um, Spinal no, Tap. I, yeah, the same guys that did Spinal Tap and like uh, Best in Show and My yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, those guys. His name is Corky St. Clair. Yeah, Corky St. Clair. Corky St. Clair is Christopher Guest in Eleven. But uh, this is not an 11 in this one, but still kind of chilling and interesting. Pepe's going to run yeah. off and watch Waiting for Guffman now. Watch. <laughs> no. And yeah, that, was, that was one of the things that stuck with me about the no. movies. That it was so odd. <laughs> yeah, and the way that they like heal him before they torture him too, like they have to get him better before they can make him worse. It was a kind of interesting uh, aspect. I don't know. Yeah, it was very, yeah, it's yeah. very strange sort of moment it's like a lot of this movie is like that it's sort of these like weird vignettes that like catch you off guard you know it's 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 very yeah odd. a lot of it like, catches you off guard for sure yeah like them raiding the bandit camps like that's like a scene i always forget is even in this movie when they're like rounding the up forest. all the, yeah, the thieves and uh um yeah fezzik is just there <laughs> like chilling you helping the guards it's great yeah, Pepe, you said it's weird, but I feel like I my jokery kind of cut into what you were trying to say about it. I can't tell if it's weird positive or weird negative or or weird neutral. No, it just um, it's one of those things that um, just like would never be in a kids movie today. Yeah. Okay. You okay. know, uh, like, um, like uh, yet for torture. It's just really him just like gasping that it sucks. I mean, he's they're not like showing blood and guts. So I think if they went in that direction, it'd be even less of a kids movie thing, maybe. But it's a, I have to applaud the actors for, it's really all riding on their performance and they pull it off well. But continue, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off again. Well, I, I was just going to say like, there's, um, there's things it, that were like, we used to trust kids a lot more to like grapple with these things. Like, like mm-hmm. the Dark Crystal um has yeah, some that's like true. pretty intense shit in it. Um never ending story has some really like Artax, hello. Has Artax in it and mm-hmm. it just has some really sort of like forlornness or like moroseness. And then Oh yeah, depression like, is a big, big part of that. Yeah. Yeah, and then like and just the nothing sort of itself like, is even like a concept. Yeah, of, yeah. Like this this personification of this like abstract concept of mm-hmm. non existence is like that stayed terrifying. with me even though I saw it at seven. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you get you used to get those kinds of things in kids' movies. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're like nowadays you would be like, 
well, maybe we shouldn't have a torture scene in our kids' movies. But then it's just like, yeah, whatever. He's not really getting hurt, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, I, mean, no, so I just, think you're right. I think at some point, that. I think at some point, it kind of tacked towards maybe homogenization or just like I don't know, making them yeah maybe safer of those what concepts that I, we I guess deem more for grownups. Well, I think our zeitgeist has changed too. Okay. You, you know, there there are some arguments that are made about well, I mean, just the instances that we that has come up in the news and it not like right recent, like but, but even back in like the you know, the aughts about, you know, helicopter parenting and kind of smothering your kids. And, you know, there there's some talk about why that is. Um, in the 90s, you know, they had parenting manuals that is more like you should be around your kids, you know, and and, and um, the other argument that they make is because in the 80s, when they started doing, have you seen this, you know, this child, you know, that was abducted and they had on the back of milk cartons and stuff like that. I, I know when I was going to elementary school, when there was somebody that, you know, the school got wind of that was dangerous they would have either the teachers tell us, you know, watch out for this person, or they would have an assembly, you, you know, or if they, if they yeah. happen to have an assembly, they'd make an announcement. And I think that, uh, well, at least this argument, is that that stayed with uh, people. Y you know, even though statistically, like kids getting kidnapped and stuff, and, and it is a terrible thing, don't get me wrong. Um, but statistically it just doesn't, it's not a commonplace type of thing, but if you keep seeing like posters, have you seen me and pictures on the back of milk cartons and stuff, you start to think that the world is a terrible place. And then, yeah. you know, the six o'clock, eight o'clock, 10 o'clock news is also drumming and it can that be. in. Yeah. And it, and it definitely can be. There's truth but, to it. Um, yeah, but I, I would say the current zeitgeist now, and I've talked about this before, is stranger danger. Y you know, I remember as a young adult having conversations like when you're at the bus stop, you would have a conversation with somebody. If you were on a train or yeah. a plane, you would yeah. have a conversation, you know, with the person sitting next to you. Now, it's, it's, it's just a different time. It's yeah, just well, a different time. I'll say this, uh, and maybe, uh, and I don't know, it's another kind of hot take, but you know, in, in these times when things are so weird and 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 stuff, um, I wonder if we're just like trying not to burden the kids with too much all at once because of just all there. I feel like the weight of the world is already on a lot of kids' shoulders, you know, and mm -hmm. maybe in a generational sense. Um, I'll say this for myself: I I've, I have Audible as a, a, a thing, so I get an audio credit. And some months I get mm -hmm. like more serious fare, but some months I've been getting, I've mentioned this to you guys before. I don't remember if it was on the show, but I, I, there's a genre called, uh, I think, um, Jim, you, you named it. It was like, like power fantasy or something like that. Power this, fantasy, high, high fantasy. Well, it's like, oh no, uh, a male, uh, male power fantasy. I don't know. You, you, you it's, it's a genre basically uh -huh. where, uh, the guy is basically a Mary Sue, right? He's just good at everything and succeeds uh -huh. at everything and gets all the, whoever they're interested, women, whatever, uh -huh. what have you, and succeed at everything they try. And it's not really a story because they don't ever, they're never challenged, they never meet a challenge 
that they cannot mm-hmm. readily overcome. Okay. But this is this is kind yeah. of like a male romance novel genre. Okay. So right. it's trashy, yeah, male- right? Power fantasy, right, right. But I what I'm you. saying is, and I've I've read a like this is like the third one. I'm reading one now. What I'm saying is, in a world that's so dark and stuff right now, it's fucking nice to just like experience someone succeeding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's right. as simple as yeah. that. I'm like, I'm ex- I am. There's something redeeming about this. Something something valuable that's happening here, even though the story isn't really a story. It's just nice to see someone succeed sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that may play I, into what I, you're saying or not, but I, I don't know. That's well, been I my can personal see, experience. I, I, I can see that as, a, as another take. And, and, and I feel like, you know, there's more than one thing going on in society, right? You, oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And multiple things can be true. So. Yep, yeah. yep. Speaking, well to, speaking to the kids thing, too, and sort of the not disappearance of kids movies, but like kind of the shift in kids movies, like modern, you know, in modern times, Mm -hmm. I think that it's sort of, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like the disappearance of the middle class that there's like this no middle age group anymore. Like this movie, I would say is sort of appealing to like eight to 12 year olds, eight to 13 year olds, somewhere in that range. Like you're not like a toddler, you know, you're not like a little kid, but you're not like a teenager yet. You're somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. point. And I feel like that's not really a target audience anymore. There are movies that are very clearly kids' movies. This is mm-hmm. Yo Gabba Gabba. This is like for children meant to be colors and shapes. <laughs> not and like, family, but kids. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's like Marvel movies. Like that's the thing is like stuff like Marvel movies is now considered yeah. kids. Like you could bring an family. 11-year-old to a Marvel movie. Yeah. People bring 11-year-olds yeah. to Marvel movies, even though those are rated PG-13, you know, or even R. I've, I saw little kids watch Deadpool. I went and saw Deadpool mm-hmm. twice when it was in theaters. Both theaters had young kids in it. And like, I know that this was an R-rated movie that he was going to be dropping F-bombs and stuff in. And, mm-hmm. and like, people just don't care as much. They're not quite as protective. And I think it's it's generally a good thing, but it also means that there's not this sort of family movie genre as prominently anymore, except apparently in streaming, if that happens more often. But you don't see it as much as the big releases. I don't think you see it as much even on there, but I think that's where yeah. it's relegated to these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just, this this sort of live action family movie doesn't really happen, and I think Pixar still kind of lands somewhere in that middle point where it's it's got stuff for the older kids and the adults, mm-hmm. and it's got stuff for the, the younger kids. So it's sort of running that middle ground, but it's yeah, much less common. I think. Well, I'll say this: if there's a Princess Bride type of film out there that exists in streaming, may it rise at the top as Cream does and get its due. And not just get lost in the white noise that is our media of, of today. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I know there's movies out there that even like we won't even know they exist because it's, you know, the algorithms doesn't think we would want to see something called the Princess Bride, even though it's the algorithm's getting it wrong by title, you know, much like Pepe's sister, mm-hmm. you know, the algorithm might make that mistake too. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So, if there's one out there, I, I'm hoping that it, it comes up just by merit of popularity or something. Yeah, and and I hear the point, Ben, that you're talking about. I mean, there is a reason why I curate my access to media. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. media often includes news. And um, from what I've read about, you know, you know, some of the uh, when they go generational, like what millennials deal with, it, it's not that uh, the common argument is not that millennials are unaware. They're uh, too aware. There's too much going on. And um, uh, even as an adult, I struggle. 
like, man, I want to be a conscientious person, but there are so many ills in our world and our society. Where the fuck do you begin? You, you, you know, it can so beat you, gotta, you down you, and overburden you. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like it has yeah, um, to a I certain think. extent, a great many people. And so being conscious of curating, you know, as much as I, I can, um, you know, access to that because yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of doom. It's a lot of gloom and not to, not to say that I don't care about the things that happen in the world, but I just can't be exposed to everything that happens into the world in the world all the time. It's I don't no have a bandwidth anyway. Yeah. yeah we, that's we're right. Really human I don't have enough all, spoons. You know? you know, I don't have enough spoons in the drawer, whatever, you know, analogy you want, you want to pick, you, you, you know, so you have to be uh, conscientious about what you do pay attention to so that you can affect a positive change in what aspect or however great that you can with where you are in this life right now. You, you know what I mean? So I, I definitely hear your point loud and clear, Ben. That was really, um, you know, I'm glad you, you said that. Good. Yeah. And uh, this movie, which doesn't ask much of you, has spawned a pretty good conversation overall, uh, just because it can encompass so many things of what's going on and uh, tied it into, you know, when it came out in society now and then and all that interesting stuff. And that stuff does change quite a bit. Something of a timeless nature to movies that I think period films like probably have a big advantage in that sense. Uh, if they're if they're at least done okay, um, that that uh, can lend to being more timeless. But there's something to this film that I think is just has that value of where sometimes it's good to just be uplifted and to enjoy yeah. something and to watch it. Maybe watching something while you're folding clothes isn't such a terrible thing to be a good movie for, right? I'm now I've seen now I'm arguing towards Shawshank Redemption retroactively Pepe. <laughs> uh, speaking of actually speaking of that and speaking of streaming uh just so people know if they skipped last episode Shawshank Redemption is now on Netflix uh, much easier oh, to watch if for some oh, reason you didn't good. didn't want to listen to our episode because you couldn't watch the movie it is now very watchable see um, yeah geez yeah that's the big one interesting okay anyone want to anyone have any final thoughts about the Princess Bride or we pretty much uh, wrung <laughs> this out <laughs> Do you want to expound on any of your points? Pepe? All no, right. I so, mean, I, okay, well, good. I'll, I'll, I'll say that for. <laughs> well, now you made me not want to talk. No, 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 no. If you got, <laughs> if you got a, a couple bullets left in the chamber, let's have them. I, I think. Well, what I just, just what I want to, what I want to say is that I think that for the large part, I agree with you guys. This is a good movie, um, and it does have it does, there is a sort of timelessness to it. Um, there's, yeah, it just does, it does a lot of things really great. Um, and so even though it didn't, for whatever reason, it just like didn't land for me this last time. I think that if you haven't seen this movie, you will have a great time watching it. Um, there it is. Yeah. And yeah. I think kids will love it. Like if you have kids that haven't seen this movie, they're going to fucking love it too. My son watched um, through the opening with me and was just enamored. He loved the yeah. shtick with the grandpa and the pinching of the cheek and he just was into it. 
Um, and uh, he had some other stuff to do and I was busy with this for the show, so he didn't watch it. But yeah, I think you're right. He Right away, it was appealing. And he doesn't really sit and watch a lot of movies, to be honest. So there's something there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, we, we've hit the, th- the theme within the movie resounds to the theme without, because Devin, you submitted this and, you know, you've seen this as a, as a kid, but the movie is about um, a little kid being told the story. And then I think, Ben, you had said generationally, like you, we would guess even Gen Zers, or I think maybe you, Devin, mentioned it, Gen Zers would uh, watch this movie. And so it's something for all ages across the generations, just like one of the themes that they are presenting in the movie itself. So. There may be an era when this movie doesn't strike a chord, but uh, if that is the case, then humanity is truly doomed. Devin, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> that, that era will come when Fred Savage is canceled, and then, then this movie will be buried. Unwatchable. So yeah. Fred Savage is in it. Unwatchable. You know the <laughs> terrible things he did. You know yeah. what it is. Uh, I think <laughs> so everything, everything that needs to be said has been said. This is uh, yep. it's an excellent movie. Uh, before we go off into the commercial break, uh, I forgot to mention the midpoint. Uh, Devin pointed this out. Um, the midpoint of The Princess Bride, just because I tend to mention it, is when uh, Buttercup and uh, Wesley are reunited in the D&D forest of... Uh, what's the forest called again? <laughs> the Fire the Swamp. The Fire Swamp. Yeah, yeah it's when they're yeah. reunited. Uh, literally then, when they're reunited and heading in, and he says the line, that's only because uh, nobody survived it yet, or before. Mm-hmm. And so it speaks. It's a it's a it, triumph moment. Of course, it is. It's the midpoint. It speaks to the density of this movie that that feels so early to me. Like yeah. the, them getting reunited. It's like isn't that like five minutes in? Like that seems so early, and there's so much that happens Moves fast. I know. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Okay, so that was the Princess Bride. We have definitely enough to uh, give it an A grade, but we'll see where everyone actually lands <laughs> on that. Uh, <laughs> so, but before that, we do have time. Uh, to take a short commercial break and hear a word from our sponsors. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, having trouble finding your true love? Is your fairy tale turning into more of a tragedy? Well, you should smell what the Miracleists have been cooking up at Miracle Max's Masculine Commodities and Oddities. They've got a brand new product for their famous line of fragrance offerings, a new cologne for men called Brute Squad. Yes, Brute Squad. Smell like you mean business. Our unique blend of natural musk is harvested directly from the sweaty bandits of Thieves Forest, located deep in the heart of the kingdom of Florin. Don't settle for Brute Force, the cheap gilder knockoff. You want the real smell of 30 men pissing themselves with fear when behold <laughs> the devil himself lit a flame barrows toward them oh, words of doom excoriating from a forked tongue just look at you now you are the brute squad <laughs> side effects include draining away a year of your life being nearly dead temporary paralysis the ability to overcome overwhelming odds and bluff your way to a win despite previously mentioned liabilities due to having a wheelbarrow 
which really should have been mentioned along with the other assets. <laughs> Miracle Max's Masculine Commodities and Oddities presents Brute Squad. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> Excellent. Right nice. on. It was a fun one. Did you come up with Brute Squad as a fragrance because of like a lot of fragrances being called br- Brut? Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, okay. Ex- Is that yeah, how it's okay. pronounced, Brut? I think so. Yeah, something in there clicked. I was struggling with this one. I was gonna. That's a. I was gonna a, hit you up, Pepe, for ideas, but uh, lucky for you, I didn't burn with you that last minute. That was a. Uh, that was an excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> excellent. Well, if you all look under your chairs, you will have a free sample of Brute Squad. <laughs> you get a Brute Squad. I'm surprised okay. you didn't. I'm surprised you didn't do like come down to. Uh, shit, I forget his name. Uh, what's the giant's name? Fezzik. Fezzik. Fezzik, yeah. Come down to Fezzik's uh, Barrow Emporium. We got <laughs> your barrows. Totally. I knew I had to get Barrow in there somewhere, though. Yeah. So I yeah. said Barrowing yeah. towards you. <laughs> you guys got that, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a fun commercial. Uh, okay, so let's get to the difficult, terribly difficult job of assigning a grade to this wonderful film. Um, so final grade time. Uh, I, oh, well, let me do the sound clip first of all, before I give you my grade, are we going to write the grade down and do the reveal? Why don't we do that? I'll play the sound clip. You guys write your grades down. Devin's ringing in. Oh, Devin's locked in. Okay. <laughs> ring in if you got him. Here, I'll ring in too, just for the fun of it. All right. Answer's locked in. Okay. So, for the Princess Bride. Uh, uh, clearly, uh, grade A material. A plus, 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 plus for me. Um, I bet you didn't see that coming. Yeah, great film. Uh, for reasons previously discussed, got to give it an A+. Plus. <laughs> I had to make that rhyme somehow. <laughs> I, had to, I had to live up to Fezzik. Okay, Devin, what did you grade uh, The Princess Bride? Where's that your reveal? That was a bust. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. Devin's answer is a must. Oh, man. Uh, I, gotta... I don't think we can trust him for these grades. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Any more? Any more? Okay. All right. <laughs> Look at his uh, hair. It's it's all must. <laughs> Come on! I thought you had a gift for rhyming. I'm going to keep doing this so we never have to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just keep yeah. Uh, all right. It's an A. Obviously, uh, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a uh, an A movie. There's nothing I. I mean, I can't imagine it being better than it is. And uh, yeah, just just great all around. I don't know. And nothing yep. compelling to say about it. An eloquent A, sir. Uh, okay, so that's two A's. Oh, you can leave that up so that the, so everyone oh, sorry, sorry. can add it up. Okay, James Pepe. <laughs> For people playing along at home. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a B. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's my record yeah, scratch. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. 
That's you'll all have to. I have that's to say it. Okay. That. Well, may you may you bear that B as a scarlet letter upon your Chester. Okay, Jim, what did you create? Well, I guess I, I, like I said, I think this is a good movie. If you haven't seen it before, you should. Um, yeah, just I, I, some of the shine came off of it for me. I don't know why. It just did, you know. Yeah, I hear you. No, no, do the honest grade. Uh, when we finally do get a 4.0, I want us to have earned it. Um, so, Jim, Scott, what did you grade The Princess Bride? Yeah, I was going to give it a, a, a B plus, but you made a good point when you said we need a feel-good movie of all feel-good movies um, in these turbulent times. No, um, honestly, um, I gave it an A, man. This yeah, one was cool. uh, so... Not only was it nostalgic, but I got, um, I got the feels, you, you know, the the good feeling, um, watching it this time around, and um, it's solid. Uh, all the things that I had said, you know, before reasons for liking this movie. It all adds uh, up. Yeah, if it all yeah. adds up to you, it's gonna be an easy A. Um, yeah. yeah, and it definitely all the other things work, and it still got me, still. Yeah. No matter, I've seen it many times, it's still got me. So, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, Devin, what is our GPA, and where does that lay in the land of films we've reviewed? I, yeah, I'm so already dreading this. This is our first... <laughs> this is my uh, favorite part, because I get to punish Pepe. God <laughs> yeah, damn it. This is a nice, solid 3.75. Our first 3.75, putting it in A-. minus. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, it, uh, we're going to run out of these first eventually, but... Uh, we did have a 3.74 before. I think that was a product of having five people. So like basically mm-hmm. the same ratio, but with five people, it sets it off a little bit. But that was Spirited Away. Um, so this is mm. equally as good as Spirited oh, Away. Okay. All right. Just the torture mm. puppet. Yeah, <laughs> Where does November stack this in relation me, to this? This is me hooked up to the machine, sucking my... Oh, this is this is far better. Than, you, do than tell us November. how you feel, Pepe, and remember, this is for posterity. So do be honest. Yeah, uh, this is this is <laughs> point, this is interesting. Point seven five, point seven five better than November. Uh, okay, all right. All right. Classic Pepe movies. It's point two five better than the Lighthouse. Okay. Uh, it's <laughs> I really enjoyed the Lighthouse. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have watched it if it hadn't been for the show too. So. If we ever go back and rewatch uh, past movies, I hope the lighthouse comes up in that. But yeah, it puts it, I think, at our um, fourth favorite movie of all time. Yeah, after uh, Roma, obviously going to stay number one for a while. Silence yeah. of the Lambs, Get mm-hmm. Out, Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory, and then mm. oh no, sorry, that one that one's lower. Uh, I messed up. Shawshank uh, <laughs> Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Oh, uh, you got shanked. You got shanked sorry. by Shawshank. Poor uh, Pepe. Well, that was my Shawshank Redemption right Shawshank there. Shawshank Redemption and then Princess Bride. I'm going to do the okay. pose in the rain now. I just seen the look on Pepe's face. And then when you took it away, you're like, oh. Uh, beautiful. Say the, say the top top movies again yeah so here's top our top five. our current top five yeah yeah, are, yeah. go for uh, it roma silence of the lambs get out and shawshank redemption are tied oh, no, do it fourth. do it in order of best of yeah best. yeah these these are best oh, okay. words so yeah, roma is roma roma is one silence of the lambs <laughs> uh tied for third and fourth get out and shawshank redemption okay. and then princess bride nice Jeez. very good <laughs> did we all get one in the top five 
No. Um, no. I, yeah, I did not. I just know I'm I got not either. Too, so it's, I'm it's I was super me, stoked uh, about that. It's Rome me. Is me so much better Kevin. than all of those movies. It is well, number, number one. one. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's like one. what a three point eight. Three point eight eight. Yeah, it's the closest yeah. to it. Dethrone Roma. I just can't. I don't know. We'll find out. Stay tuned. Maybe it will be dethroned next week. Um, speaking of which, I think good. it's time to roll the dice. Because because I'm not I'm not good on the sound drive. Yeah. You, you have to edit in the animated fucking pixel glasses that come down and the and the joint. Yeah, the, the joint, joint too. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Devin, really you rolled last time. I think that means it's if, if we've been going in order of how we've been doing things, I think it's James Pepe going to roll. Uh, and we have a four uh, sided something or uh, eight sided or however you do it. Yeah. I forget. I've been rolling too many digital well, there's, dice. There's four options. So I'll choose a D4. Okay. It's intelligent. That makes sense. All right. I got my I got my actual factual D and D dice yes. Good. my sister Get it. my sister made for me. Great. I actually have one of her bags too. We should give her a, a, oh, yeah, a that's plug right. one of these days. I have a couple of the bags yeah. that she made. Actually. Oh the, those They're little ones that look like backpacks, right? Yeah. Love it. Um okay. So are you ready All for right. your jumble, sir? Okay, here we go. Without further ado. Hmm. I did the sound too early. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't watching. Okay, what number did we get? I got a two. Number two. Lucky number two. We will be watching a little movie called Wake in Fright. Uh, it's the be sure to watch the correct one. It's the 1971 version, not the 2017 one. So Wake and Fright, uh, just to help you out, is directed by Ted Kotcheff. Um, and it is streaming all over the place. Roku, Tubi, Canopy, Redbox, Shutter, and Pluto TV. So uh, anywhere you throw a stone, you're going to hit a streaming service. You can watch this on. Once again, Wake and Fright, 1971. That is next week. Join us for Wake and Fright next week. Very much looking forward to this conversation. Okay. That was Roll the Dice. We do have some show business, I believe. Yay. A couple of things. Um, We'll start off with uh, a retraction. Uh, You see, last show... uh, It just says last show. That's it? Just the entire show? We gotta retract the whole show? Uh, My producer's nodding yes. Okay. Our sincerest apologies for that error. Please bear with us as we strive to be better. Um, Fanny is, Mills. Is this, because, is this because we did COVID-19 misinformation or something? We're getting pulled from the That Spotify. was our entire special. Yeah, it was the Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Fanny Mills, you can write to Ben at redhenmedia.com and we may respond on the show. Alternately, you also can go to redhenmedia.com and type a message in the little contact us section. I will see it there. I'm also on Facebook too under redheadmedia.com, but yuck. Um, I guess you find our <laughs> Redhead Media page on there. You can message me and I'll tolerate Facebook uh, for a minute to answer you. Um, Ooh, email's great though. Email's the best way, I think. Okay, my producer's telling me to wrap this up. So let us know how we're doing. Did we get something wrong? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe? Um, I hope what, so, because then yeah. you'd be right. 
Yes, exactly. Uh, what part or parts of the show did you like best? Did you learn something new? Is this old hat for you? Uh, what are you listening? Oh, what are you listening from? Where are you listening from in the world? Uh, any other questions or comments? Write to us. And lastly, we just a quick one that's not a big deal, I think, but worth announcing. We will be taking two weeks off in between series um, due to the fact that between recording and editing, I wasn't actually one, one week off getting any time off. And so uh, between recording, editing, distribution wasn't working. So we're unfortunately going to have to take a two-week break, but we built up a decent backlog of shows for you if you're jonesing for more. Uh, so for the time being, we'll do it this way. My family thanks you. Um, I think that's about it, guys. Yeah. I'm going to go over Whoa. Wow, it came fast. He's just letting himself in. <laughs> it's not just a clever uh, name of, of the corporation. The food that might was fast. be warm. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, was that, it was fast enough the food actually be warm. Yeah, yeah no, that was, the, of course, that was uh, Peter Falk, who we saw in The Princess Bride tonight, uh, returning as his character, Lieutenant Columbo. Uh, to tell us we have time for just one more thing, which is the segment of the show where we each co-host shares a little something from outside of the show. Um, yeah. Why don't we start with a Mr. Devin? Sure, yeah. Um, so what I was going to do is briefly mention uh, like what I'm reading, watching, and playing, like quick, quick fire. Oh, that's um, good. Which, uh, for the record, I'm, I just started Peacemaker. Very much enjoying that. It's the only role that John Cena can play well, and I will stand by that. Uh, I'm currently reading uh, Project Hail Mary, which is by the same author who wrote The Martian. Andy Weir. Thank you. I could not remember mm -hmm. his name. Uh, very, very good book. Highly recommend it. Um, and But the thing I'm playing right now demands a little bit more explanation. Boom. I'm playing Elden Ring, uh, which there, there are very few perfect games in the world that like do exactly what they set out to do and perfect a formula that they invented themselves. And like Elden Ring is absolutely one of them. Portal, I think, is maybe the only other example I could think of as like just like a perfect, like it does exactly what it's trying to do to to the the smallest degree possible. But Elden Ring, I think, is going to unseat Skyrim and Breath of the Wild as wow, the that's a bold pinnacle flame. as the pinnacle of open world game design and as the pinnacle of Dark Souls as a genre, if you can call it that, this like Souls genre that has been created by from software. Uh it it is their love letter to this style and to the world of open world games. And I, the only thing about it that makes me sad is that they're, they can't ever make another game. From Software has to close their studio because they, they couldn't do anything that would top this game. They have put it all in one game and it is beautiful and perfect. Maybe, that, maybe that's their magnum opus. And, and to, cre to credit to what you're saying, um, Devin, um, a lot of my PlayStation friends, including my friends from my home county, are playing Elden Ring. So there's something to that. Yeah. Interesting. Is, yeah. Okay. That just that literally just got on my radar for the first time. Here's a semi-serious question for you. Why do you like hard games but not hard movies? Um, I think it's because well, games as a as a like entertainment medium are interactive, meaning I can affect how hard mm -hmm. they are. Whereas a film just kind of does it to me. You know, I'm a, mm. I'm I'm an unwilling participant if it is a movie I'm not enjoying <laughs> that is like too. But a game like Elden Ring, you can't 
like unless you just mindlessly grind for hours and hours and hours, like you're not going to obviate any of that. Shit, well, right? not really, though, because the, the the secret easy mode that's existed in every Souls game is summoning. You can and there is not a Souls game where you cannot summon except for Sekiro, which I don't enjoy. There's not a Souls game where you can't summon another player who could potentially be a hundred levels higher than you and come and one hit the boss for you. Because the, the bosses are the only hard thing in the Souls game. No other aspect about it is hard except for the boss battles. Well, and that's so, not true. I mean, to an extent it is because everything else you can you can just explore the world, find more power, especially in Elden Ring where it's Well, in Elden Ring world. that's more true, but in the yeah. other Souls games, like clearing the trash is serious fucking business. Like the, like the sort of like idea was that like every fight is has lethal potentiality. Yeah, I think mm. what, what always has appealed to me about Souls games and I think what makes them easy but takes like a while to kind of figure out is that they're about learning. They're almost like puzzle, like action games as puzzle games is sort of the mm-hmm. concept. And it's the idea is that you will every time you die, you learn something like there's no there's no needless death you will learn something about the world every time you die. And so like naturally you will build up like an immunity to the world, essentially. Like you will learn, okay, that guy always comes breaking through that pile of uh, uh, boxes and stabs me in the back. Okay, now I know. Now I just turn and I hit those boxes before he jumps out. And same with the bosses. I know that this wind up is a really slow attack and I can get a couple slashes in while he's winding up this attack. And then I dodge. And you just like build up that knowledge and you have to have patience. That's like the biggest challenge is you have to be a patient person. But Yoda uh, would be good at it then. <laughs> yeah. The difference with movies, I feel like, is just that there's no, you can't build up an immunity to like hard movies. I guess. I mean, maybe you can. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't built up that immunity. But uh, no, I think it's probably no just you either like them or you don't, or you're in the right yeah. mood for them or you're you not. You can build up an immunity. Like, well, I remember. You can I build remember up a language, time, but I mean. I remember the first time I saw, I don't remember if it was Doom or Doom 2. I was a kid, right? I was well, probably yes. okay. five or six. I'll grant you that. What? If you're, I built up an immunity to horror movies since I was a little kid too, yeah. Yeah, but like the first time I saw Doom, I was like appalled. I was like, how could anyone enjoy this? And then it's like, oh, well, because it's fucking fun as shit. Yeah. So, yeah, Devin, so let me test Pepe's theory then really quick. Um, since I don't have context here. Oh, by the way, I think I might have played one of those games for like five minutes uh, of that series, and I just got my ass handed to me so bad that I didn't get that that was part of the fun. Well, and, each, or each, something. Game, each game kind of starts that way, is they just like, they've put you against a boss that's, you're meant to die. Yeah, I think I didn't get it at the time, but now that you described it, I think this was the game. It's a fantasy, like, fighting game, right? Or am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. Third person action. Had to be the yeah. game. I think it has soul in the name. Yeah, yeah what well, is it again? almost all of them do. Uh, Dark so Dark Souls yeah, is the main series. This had to be it yeah. then. This had to be it. I remember Souls. just getting my ass handed me. But anyway, since I haven't really played that series, and Pepe's theory was that you like hard games, did you? are you a Cuphead fan? Did I haven't actually play played Cuphead? it. That one actually did look too hard for me, just from the like, looks just online. tough. Yeah. yeah. It looks beautiful. Um, it's fun. And then you're just like, at a certain point, you're just like trying to be perfect to a point where so I just yeah, couldn't I, hang, hang with it. I played through almost the entirety of Cuphead, and I okay. can't play the Souls games. They interesting. So you not your type of hard. Well, the thing that the thing like I've been watching um, one of my favorite streamers play Elden Ring, and I really, really like watching him play. And it's it's been sore. I've been sorely tempted to buy Elden Ring, but I know that I just won't enjoy it. 
Um, and it's just because the game, they're like, and I was talking to, I think I was talking to you about this before, Devin, is like, they're basically like dying earth games, right? Which is a genre that I really, really like. And seeing all the cool, they're, they're like all, they're games that are like almost tailor made for me, except for the fact that I hate them. <laughs> you know, that like the combat, which is like basically the focus of the game is like the one thing about it that I don't like. And because it's so prohibitive, I just can't do it. Well, I will recommend for people out there who have bounced off of Souls games in the past, and especially because of the difficulty, um, to try, like, think about giving up, like, strongly consider giving Elden Ring a shot because there is this, like, beautiful built-in release valve of the open world that has not ex really existed in any other Souls game where if something is too hard, you just, like, turn around and go do something else or, like, get on your horse and just run away from the hard thing. And that is such a, like, smart system that it, it really alleviates a lot of that pressure of the difficulty to the point where I took so long to get to the first boss. He's called Margit. He's the first official boss. And he is like, there's thousands of like posts I've seen online about people who are like, fuck this game, Margit's too hard. Or like complaining that they died a million times. I had, I'm not very good at these games, honestly. Like I've played all of them. I'm, I kind of suck. I was too bad to play Sekiro. I could not beat it because it was too difficult. And so I'm by no means like a, like a pro, but I had no trouble with Margaret because at that point I had been playing the game for like 35 hours. And then I went and fought the first boss and I was like, yeah, I'm wildly overpowered. Like I am way, 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 way too powerful for this boss. And like, that's a, not a thing you could really do in the other Souls games unless you wanted to kill the same enemy 9,000 times and grand yeah. levels. So like just by having fun and playing the game, you can like completely like destroy the difficulty if you want to do that, you know? you don't want to be challenged so i i recommend it highly to people who have bounced off the games in the past but enjoyed the atmosphere what's the series called once again yeah so well it's kind of complicated they're called they're all called souls games but they're they include souls like, games, souls -like yeah. yeah so there's the dark Souls series dark souls one two and three which also includes demon souls which was mm -hmm. remade for ps5 so you have to have a ps5 to play demon souls mm -hmm. there's also bloodborne yeah. uh and sekiro shadows died twice those are all considered part of the same they're all made by from software okay um, but Starting with Dark Souls 1 I would, is what I would recommend. Bloodborne seems really gothic. Um, yeah, I've yeah, seen a friend of mine play it a couple of times. Um, and the only reason why I haven't bought Elden Ring is because I'm planning on moving and I'm not sure if I'm going to have access to my PlayStation. It's the only thing that's really held me back. <clears throat> I put a, you know, I put a, a, what do you call it, reserve on it. Um, but yeah, I just haven't pulled the trigger. Yeah, I hear yeah. that. I'll g um, okay, well... I'll say this. So you've been listening to the All Souls podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go next real quick. Another video game one. And I'm uh, way late to the party on this. I think I didn't play it because I had read some reviews where like if you don't time things right, that you can just fail at the game. And this is Pathfinder Kingmaker. Mm -hmm. uh, for those mm -hmm. of you who don't see this coming. I remember someone in the reviews yeah, being like, yeah. I put like a hundred hours in this game and I didn't get this thing on time. And then I like, so I don't know if that was the problem people had with it. Uh, that was mm. the one I, that stuck out to me, but I didn't play it for a long time, even though we played Pathfinder, you know, the role-playing game, but it has been great to kind of be immersed in the Pathfinder world and lore and stuff. And it's been more like Pathfinder is a, a little complex for, and can be intimidating for some people to learn. And so kind of that immersion kind of got me to a new level of playing Pathfinder, I think. 
I feel like it has. And I've, uh, so that's been a neat side effect of playing Kingmaker. And it's just been a fun game to play. So I'll I'll leave that. I've been really focused on the show the last few weeks, though. So the other, I guess if I had another thing, it would be like, yeah, look at all the pretty new things that we did in the show, including the fun, like, ding thing. So uh, enjoy all the new bells and whistles. It's because Um, we're so well sponsored that we have these nice. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, Miracle, what was the name of the. Miracle Max is <laughs> uh, masculine Mac. commodities and oddities pays well. Yeah. Just, yep. <laughs> they got deep, they got deep pockets. <laughs> That's right. Uh, deep oddity pockets. Uh, okay. So <laughs> James Pepe, what have you got for us this week? I would like to recommend, um, a, uh, one of Ben's favorite things, a video essay. Yay. Um, I think, yeah. On, uh, on YouTube. It's from the uh, Folding Ideas YouTube channel. Um, and it's a, it's a video essay all about um, crypto and NFTs. Oh, cool. A subject which called, I am um, probably more versed than layman, but I always could stand to learn more. There's a lot to learn. Yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think about it. Um, yeah, the yeah, video okay. Is, the video is called Line Goes Up. The problem with NFTs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, it's basically non fungible token is what NFT stands for. For those that yeah, it's it's basically an uh, uh, a video all about how crypto and NFTs are scams, and mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. It, it reminded me that you know every once in a while you come across these. Um, I remember when I was back in college, we, when we were doing our sort of like biology lab, we read a paper by a guy named um, William Harvey, mm-hmm. who proved, who wrote a paper proving that our system of blood was a circle, was circulatory. This was a circulatory system, hence the name circulatory system. Yes. Okay. okay. This, was, this was not always known. And it was right, actually right. quite a quite a scandal. We take a lot of that for granted, but yeah, sure, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it was it was quite a scandal too because it meant that we had a sort of circle inside of ourselves, okay, um, which represented a sort of perfection that was only meant for the heavens. We, like uniform circular motion is something mm-hmm. that appears in the the celestial bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And so saying that we had something like that within us was sort of sacrilege. Sacrilege, yeah. Um, but his argument was so utterly convincing, and it mm-hmm. also happens to be true. And you don't come across those kind of arguments that often, where they're just Lock like, box. oh, this, this has to be correct. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I, this little video that this guy, well, it's a Like the hour, evidence we have for COVID being guy, real? <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the world we live in. I I feel like it it must be the way he describes it. I mean, I we, I we don't yet have the power of hindsight like we do with William Harvey and the with the system. NFTs and yeah, the uh yeah, the ICOs we, and we, stuff. We don't yet have the benefit of that, but I No, we don't. He I, there may be counter arguments. I haven't I haven't found them. But I haven't particularly looked. I haven't looked at particularly that hard. But I can't imagine what they would be, um, oh, unless he's simply lying. 
Um, yeah, yeah, well, but, you know, you never know. Uh, well, I don't know this channel at all, so I'm not, I don't want to prejudge, but I'll definitely check it out. So what's the name oh, yeah. of them so, again and the title? Yeah, so the channel is called Folding Ideas. Okay. The um, video is called Line Goes Up, The Problem with NFTs. And to give you just, this is a two and a half hour YouTube video. It yeah. has 6.3 million views. Who on earth would have the gall to have a YouTube video that long, first of all? And secondly... Yeah, seriously. Yeah. No, that's that's a pretty good amount of views there. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, he, I'm he chewing it up other, right now. He has a bunch of other cool stuff on his channel, too. Um, he did a... The one that jumps to the mind is he did a, a sort of rebuttal to the the, like, flat earth sort of, like, fad that was... Uh, in fad like two years ago i guess yeah i'm less surprised um, that that exists good. now after the COVID era has yeah. been that we're in but he also crazy. does a lot of stuff about movie editing he has a whole episode about like why the original suicide squad was just like a dumpster fire of editing mm, um okay. he's a lot of interesting stuff so cool yeah. yeah he's kind of a renaissance man it sounds like uh somewhat like i consider myself so uh, I'll definitely check it out. I queued it up here to watch. So, um, and should I disagree with something and have a rebuttal, I'll definitely let you know. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I don't I'd have be, terribly uh, strong opinions about it, other than I've read a bit about it and I've made a little money off of it, uh, off of Bitcoin specifically. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of rode that up a couple. What was it, last year or two years ago? Now. Um, and got out before one of their dips. But um, yeah. other than that, I, I mean, I just kind of know the theory behind it. But uh, yeah, I, my, my, I guess if I had a hot take, it would be that, and he probably addresses this, um, and we don't have to address it now, but I think that like no money that we do is, has intrinsic value anyway. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see what these mechanisms are that make them a scam other than, whether if people believe something carries value, it does. That uh, would be the the initial counter argument that I. But I'm getting ahead of myself because I haven't watched the video yet. So I'll watch it yeah. and let you know. Maybe we'll revisit this next show. Yeah, Kinda interesting mean, stuff. What sort of surprised me about it was that I was like, crypto and this sort of stuff is probably like fifty percent scam, fifty percent like legit, or or like. 50% scam, like 50% like legit sort of like gambling or speculation. And he kind of convinced me that it's basically 100% a scam, uh, which I didn't expect. Um, I so. guess I'd have to, yeah, I, I need context because scam can mean a lot of different things and be applied in different ways and stuff. Um, a scam in that it's holding value? Not really because it is holding value, but so far, well, and I'm talking I, about Bitcoin specifically. But scam, I, I, I don't know. It's uh, I'll have to watch more. I'm very intrigued, though. The I guess the central. And I'm not even hesitant to it being just, a scam if it is. Like if he if he proves yeah. that, like Lockbox proves it. Uh, um, you know, I'll be convinced. His sort of like central argument is that like the only way to get money out of any of these things is to get more people to buy into mm -hmm. them, and that mm -hmm. the, and mm -hmm. that's yes. and that is a scam. I, th I think yeah, a, that, that almost sounds a like a pyramid is. scheme. Until it hits yeah, a certain yeah. point where everyone's using the thing, then it then I can see your point there. You got to hold. People have to hold for it to work. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that um, argument from other uh, videos on YouTube talking about um, 
Bitcoin. And I don't know that much about it, uh, about Bitcoin. But these are the arguments were the same, like what you're saying, Pepe, that you have to leverage. I mean, you're speculating, but you have to leverage the value that you hold, you can hold in the Bitcoin you possess by their their words, not mine, bilking other people into speculating yeah. that it'll be worth more. So in that sense, it's very similar to like an MLM. And, yeah, and, and yeah he, it is. It would have to cross this threshold of where it's not just used for investing, where it's actually used commonly as a currency for, for me to be the, like, okay, now that it's like, you can buy anything with Bitcoin, okay. Now it's a legit like world use. And I'm using that one because that's the biggest one, but really any um, cryptocurrency that takes that slot or any of them that maybe more than one might, but I don't know. We'll see. It's an interesting ride either way. Yeah. Yeah. He also, he also does a pretty deep dive into sort of the like crypto culture and and it's sort of like cult like. Mm -hmm. Sure. There is a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. He really does a good job of like showing the baneful effect it has from sure. like top top to bottom. It, it yeah. seems pretty. I, I don't know a whole lot about crypto going into it. Like I said, no but man. But he pretty, he paints a pretty bleak. Picture. What about non fungible tokens as far as like art assets and stuff? Because I've heard that's been a big boon for artists independently to be able to sell their art as a non fungible token. Well, I've also heard that a lot of artists are getting robbed because that people are stealing their art and turning them into NFTs, NFTs? Them, asking oh, them, yeah, okay. and making money off of their art that they released for free. Interesting. Um, I hadn't heard. Yeah, that. yeah, fascinating stuff. Yeah, weird, wild world we're in. Cool. Well, thanks for that one. And uh, Jim Scott, what have you got for us this week? Yeah. So I, I took the theme of adventure films to heart, and oh, cool. um, a a book I had bought for like two bucks at a thrift store. Yeah. Um, it is uh, San Francisco in Northern California. Um, the company that releases it is DK, Eyewitness Travel. But basically, it's a book of maps. And uh, the sections of San Francisco are color-coded. Um, and they have sample, like, if you have five days, if you want to take a walking trip, if you want to take a driving trip, so um, I'm going to use this book as a um, kind of an urban exploration because I love nice. San Francisco. Yeah. But honestly, the only parts of San Francisco that I've seen uh, mostly is <laughs> Castro, Polk, and Market Street, you, you know, uh, and Fisherman's Wharf. So I, it's got a lot of history. It's got a lot of culture. Um, and I want to experience that, you know, living so close to to the city and not knowing those things, you know, I've taken for granted all these years. So I want to visit it with fresh, fresh eyes. And I would give that advice to anybody, you know, uh, I think I've said it again, you know, take yourself out on a date, you know, explore the immediate world around you. Um, If city is not your thing, there is a smaller publisher that does, um, it might be just a West Coast thing. I'm not sure, but uh, 50 hikes within 50 miles. They take like major hubs like San Diego, San Francisco, LA, etc., and then they extend to like these very in-depth hiking trails that you can go on. And I'm sure if you know there's not a book printed for your local area, going on online, 
you, you know, there's just so much out there that we can do by being outside. Yeah, so. totally. And when I got my bike, I down, I I asked my brother who cycles. My bike's an e-bike, so it's not like a cycling bike. But I asked him, like, mm-hmm. is there, you know, because I'm not in tune with that. Like, what's the app to get? Yeah. And he's like, well, there's really more like five apps, you know. So the, mm-hmm. the, in the so there's a lot of apps out there too for this kind of stuff. Um, I like sure. the romance of getting an old book from a bookstore though, and going and exploring and checking that out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah. Life can be yeah. an adventure. I'm itching to get outside. How did you? Uh, did you go? Were you able to get out, Jim? You were over here earlier. When we were chatting. Did you able to? Were you able to get out earlier and go do a thing? Yeah, nice, yeah, nice. yeah. I didn't get I, to. I, I I spent too much time prepping. But um, so what? How did that turn out? Did you did you make it out there? So. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I hiked around, um, Sonoma state and, and the back like 40, there's a lot of major roads. So, mm. you know, I found, I found my answer. Cool. You, you know? Okay, cool. So, Maybe next time we're out there, you can point me in the direction. I can go check it out. For sure. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Nice. All right. Well, I think that really is the show. <laughs> I'll miss you most of all. He's here letting us know it's time to say goodbye. I'm not crying, you're crying. Uh, Let's start with Devin. I have been Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz1 on Twitter and game over, man, game over. Pew, pew, pew. There's a continuing my theme of just doing my own sound drop. Uh, James Pepe. Yeah, I've been uh, James Pepe, and uh, thanks for watching or listening, and I hope to see you back uh, next week. Indeed. And Jim Scott. Yes, I'm Jim Scott, and farewell, general listeners and friends. Take care. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. Today's parting sentiment, as you wish, which really means we love you. And don't forget to watch Wake and Fright 1971, not the 2017 version. Uh, now streaming all over the place. Roku, Tubi, Canopy, Redbox, Shutter, and Pluto TV for next week's show. Until then, keep on looking. Mm.